Hello, everyone. How's it going? Um, I'm Tian. This is Off the Beaten Podcast, yo. So, um, real quick, before I get started with anything else, I want to throw a shout out to a one of my new listeners, and I thought this was the coolest thing ever. So, a uh, big shout out to Miss Pam Clark, um, who is the mother of a dear friend of mine, but um, her mother is not a podcast listener, but um, just through an exchange. Uh, through Facebook, I was like, you know what? Uh, she recently had a birthday. Uh, so happy birthday, Pam. And I was like, to celebrate your birthday, you should check out a podcast. And I was like, and your daughter can tell you which one I'm talking about. And she did. And so she followed me on Podbean. And um, my friend Crystal set her mom up to listen to Off the Beaten Podcast. So I was like, that's the coolest thing I heard. And um, I just wanted to show my appreciation. So huge shout out, shout out to uh, both Miss Pam Clark and to uh, my friend Crystal. So uh, many thanks. So uh, this week's guest is a dear friend of mine, uh, Miss Bina David. So Bina is a classical vocalist. Uh, she's a Chicagoan, um, and she is an all-around ball of sunshine. Just one of the nicest people. I've ever had the pleasure to interact with and know, and I've known her since I was a teenager in college, and so she's good people. So on this episode, we talk about um, Western Illinois University, where we met, and I know I, like you've heard me talk about Western with one of my previous guests, and so, yeah, but I've I, the, that's where we connected and met, and so we talk about that. That's where she went to college, where I originally went to college, even though I didn't graduate from there, and so on and so forth. Um, then we talk about what it's like growing up in Chicago as the daughter of Indian immigrants, um, which is super interesting. And then from there, we talked about um, struggles uh, with mental health that we both share, and so we kind of go over that a little bit. And then what I was really interested in talking with, with Bina about, um, aside from um, her job and being a classical singer and such was uh, marriage. Bina is married to a very delightful person in a, um, at least from my perspective, what looks like a very happy marriage. And anytime I'm around them, it's just always very uplifting and reassuring. And so I was really interested to kind of dig into that topic with Bina. And she was super happy to, to allow me to and kind of break down what it means and what it takes to have a happy, healthy marriage. And so I was super interested in that. That's a topic I've kind of been a little interested in as I've kind of been trying to date and, you know, kind of now with this lens of like, you know, wanting to find someone who's going to be a long-term partner and being a dork about that. And all that. So yes, so that's it. Um, I'll hit you after the interview with some other notes and tidbits, but please uh, listen and enjoy. So this is Miss Bina David. Oh my god, I'm great. It was a crazy day, um, crazy week, crazy weekend. But I'm doing, I'm doing the thing. We're doing the thing. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, okay, so 
you are fabulous Aww. and wonderful. And what else can I say about you? Uh, a musician and a humanitarian. Oh, you're so nice. <laughs> and just so fun and fabulous. Um, so you are Miss Bina David. Yeah. Yes. All right. And it's so funny. When I first decided I was going to do a podcast, you were like one of the like probably first five names I wrote down to people I wanted to be on here. Oh my goodness. You use such like wonderful words to describe me, but you left one off the list, which is disaster at times. Stop. <laughs> like hot mess. <laughs> but who in who in this world is not a hot mess That's true. sometime? Right? I just wear it on my sleeve. <laughs> That's totally okay. No, you're so fabulous. Um so it's funny, so just getting ready to record this, um, I didn't realize, I didn't know that you are from Chicago. Yep. So let's talk about that. Okay. So you, what neighborhood? Well, uh, I guess it would be North Avenue and Central. What would you call that? It's... North and Central? Yeah. Ooh, I don't know. That's almost Oak Park. See, now here's the thing. I always tell this to my students. If you don't know what neighborhood you live in or grow up in, you suck. So, <laughs> so uh, I suck. Yeah. No, I'm cheesy. Okay, so North and Central. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, so. specifically North Avenue and Linder. What? Yeah. Give me an address. 1748 North Linder. Okay, you're not still there, are you? No. Okay, just because then I'm like, oh god, you yeah. just did that, right? No. L i n d e r. Ah, yeah, correct. Okay. Let's see. That is. Oh, okay. All right. Let's see what neighborhood that is. I'm, I'm looking. Oh, that's Gilwood. Is that what it's called? Yeah, Gilwood okay. in North Austin. Yeah. Yeah, that's Gilwood. So I was there until like eight or nine. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so, we okay, we won't talk age. Um, and where'd you go from there? Uh, my parents bought a home in the suburbs after um, the city got a little too dangerous. My dad got mugged on the street corner and mm. the nuns that lived above us in the duplex also got mugged. So, um, yeah, they, cool. they built a house in Addison, Illinois. So out west. All right. Yeah. Just, just west of Elmhurst. Who mugs a nun? I know. Well, she wasn't in her habit or anything. They didn't know she was a nun. Not that it makes it better. That's so awful. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, still. Like... Yeah, I know. Okay, yes, so Gilwood to Addison. Yeah. All right, so so this, it's so funny. That was not, like, I'm always like, people are like, what is this show about? And it, it's, I guess, Chicago-centric. That's what I say. I'm like, oh, okay. it's about Chicago people and Chicago shit. Mm -hmm. So what for you, because what is your ethnic background? So I'm Indian, specifically South Indian. We're Malayali family. Uh, and a lot of Malayalis are Christian. So I had this dumb revolving conversation in high school with the, the bully in front of me. He was just like, hey, Bina, you Indian, right? And I'm like, yes, I'm Indian. He goes, so you Hindu, right? And I was like, no, I'm not Hindu, but you Indian, right? <laughs> and it just kind of went on like that for three cycles. Oh, so like, God. So yeah, a lot of us have like biblical last names. My last name is David. Yes. Uh, so if you see an Indian person with the last name Thomas or Matthew or Zachariah or Isaac, Chances are we probably know each other or <laughs> nice. are related or something. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So what was it like for you growing up uh, in Chicago? Okay. In Chicago. Um, or, or growing. I just mean, growing up? Growing up because oh you were in the, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll go from there. Yeah. Okay. So my parents came to the United States when a lot of other people of my parents' uh, age group came from India. Uh, a bunch of them emigrated, uh, immigrated in the 70s and um, they all lived in the city. You know, um, and the apartments weren't 
awesome. Like I remember we, we definitely, I was shaking out the roaches from my shoe <laughs> before we, the I, year before we moved, you I've know. I've done that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just I've making sure they're not in there before you stick your foot inside. Yes, I've been there. You yeah. know, uh, I went, they were very particular about me having a Christian education because they're, um, in India, I think the line between religion and culture and politics is way more blurred than mm. it is here in the United States. Here mm. in the United States, people say that there's a, separation of church and state i don't know if that's true i don't know if that's true yeah exactly so they were very insistent on christian education so the daycare that i went to um you know that was fine i went until four or five and then my dad was really insistent that i skip a grade so i entered i didn't go to kindergarten i entered first grade at five years old went to midwestern christian academy at cicero and roscoe oh is that still there yeah it's still there okay yeah they, they sent me to awana you know like yeah it's like uh I don't know how to describe it. It's like a Christian Monday night activity for kids. Oh, you know, we play I'm games. Okay, yeah. yeah, 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 that type All of thing. Right. And you get a vest and you can, you know, earn these like little pins for learning your memory verses and things like that. Yeah, it's, yeah, it still exists. Okay. All right. Yeah. Hey, more power to them. I'm, yeah. no, exactly. I'm not trying to knock my hustle. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> So, so yeah, there were a lot of other families, and we all attended um, a denomination. It's called the Marthoma Church, and um, this denomination, we didn't have our own church building yet, so we used to worship up in Evanston, or Evanston, uh, <laughs> at the First United Methodist Church over there in the chapel. And, okay. Yeah, you know how, like, everything looks humongous when you're a little kid? Yes. And then you go visit it as an adult, and it's yeah, like, oh my goodness. Yeah. I went back to this chapel, and I was like, holy cow, this is a lot smaller than I remember it being mm-hmm. yeah yeah so so that's how we started you know um and like I said my dad got mugged and it, the city just wasn't safe anymore and they were looking to move out to the burbs so they did it they they went to Addison Illinois and you know very strict upbringing like I remember my dad wouldn't let me wear jeans Aww. you know in fourth grade yeah yeah oh uh, I remember in daycare, uh, first Halloween, right? Um, I don't think my parents knew what Halloween was, yeah. but I came home and I was like, I need a Halloween costume for tomorrow, right? Um, and my mom brings home something. I don't know where she got it from, but remember those old school Halloween things where the mask was kind of molded plastic yep. and then you had like the garbage bag, like smock <laughs> that yeah. was painted upon. Yeah. Yes. So uh, she, that year was huge for E.T. and she brought me an E.T. costume. But being sheltered, I didn't know what E.T. was. Oh. So I started crying because I thought she was trying to send me as ugly. <laughs> like my costume was just being ugly. So behind my mask, I'm like crying, you know, and I am I go to daycare, you know, and they, they're in a circle and everything. And all these kids are coming up to me going, cool, you're E.T. And I'm like, I'm like I, didn't, I didn't understand why they were so nuts about me being ugly. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I, so I actually didn't see E.T. until I was like, in seventh grade oh really yeah. so i yeah oh uh, yes i remember that movie yeah so if you can put that in context <laughs> oh that's, uh, yeah okay fair enough yeah <laughs> right it was very sheltered yeah oh that's kind of sweet though is it i think so yeah my dad thought pop music was the devil's no. music yeah. and all that stuff yeah. yeah yeah i had some friends like that growing up yeah really were, like really sheltered yeah so there was a period of time when i was like very religious like, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so, um, and it's actually really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if you saw this in the news recently. There was a uh, incident. There was a I won't say incident. Series of incidents at a a church in Oaklawn. I'm trying to think if it's actually in Oaklawn, if it's in Bridgeview, Oaklawn. I think it says. Okay. Oklahoma. But Jordan Baptist Church. 
the pastor's wife has been sleeping with students for a period of time. Wow. So I went to that church as a teenager. (laughs) Are you part of the story, Dan? I definitely am. And and I would have paid money to be. Because, okay, so when I was there, there was a different pastor. Oh, okay. And it's interesting because he was... um, I'm not religious. Okay. Um, at the moment. At the definitely at the moment. Yeah, at the moment. Um, I don't knock anyone's religion. Um, the the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu Academy I go to is run by a Muslim family. Mm-hmm. Um, I have friends who are Muslim. I have friends who are Christian. I have friends who are agnostic, um, atheist. You know, it kind of all ends of the spectrum. And for me, it's like. I think at least for organized religion, they all are talking about some aspect of the same. Like it's almost like right. same pieces of a of like a dime, like this really small concept. That right. they're all talking about pieces of it, and they all don't. They all you know recognize that the other piece is is still a part of this coin. So right. Like, oh this, yeah. My piece is the piece that mattered. That's yeah. how I view it. Um, and and yeah, but. But uh, at Jordan, they, they had, it was, you know, Southern Baptist, very kind of like straight, like, you know, listen to secular music. Yep. Um, you, know, you know, and it was like, yeah. And so like friends there who kind of, who had grew, grown up in the church, especially kind of lived like that lifestyle. And like, yeah. you know, had, couldn't wear pants. All the, all the girls always wore culottes or skirts. Yep. And, yes. 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 Yeah. I, I totally understand that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, and it's funny what you say about like just one coin in the dollar bill, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, I just think that different cultures have, and different people have different ways of understanding this thing called God. I, be- I do believe that there is a God out there. I mean, yeah. I, it's funny because I have a church job and I sing at a lot of churches as a musician. Yes. So when I post about it and I post pictures, people tend to think, oh, she's a church lady. She's super religious and everything. I, I guess I'm religious in the sense that like... It guides my principles, yeah. meaning like I think it's important to be kind. I think it's important to be honest. Pause for one second. That's the fridge. It's so the fridge and it's so loud. Okay, go ahead. Continue. Okay, I'm okay. so sorry. So I think it's important to be kind. I think it's important to be honest. Like, And I, um, I grew up with those stories. You know, I know all the parables and all the stories in the Bible. So that's my point of reference, you know. But everybody has a different way of understanding this thing called God. Yes. Right? Yeah. And I think I love going. I went to the Sikh temple a couple years ago and... They explain their whole way of life. And it, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think if I had to choose a religion, like if I wasn't born into like a culture and a religion, I would choose to be sick. Yeah. 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 That That's like my favorite philosophy. And, I, you know, so I think it's all valid. Yeah. You know? Interesting. Yeah. Past, like So at the at Jordan, the, the pastor when I was there was Pastor Wing. And I remember like uh, the assistant pastor who was the pastor now. Yeah. The one who, when, when, when this happened to and yeah. with and such. I feel bad for I feel bad for you know, because whatever. Just know. the whole situation. It's a whole, yeah, it's a situation. And, you know, it was, yeah. Ooh, okay, anyway. Uh, but Pastor Wing was really like, I remember sitting with him like twice. Got a chance to like kind of sit and talk and ask like questions. And he was like, you know, I choose to live my life because I have faith that that's the best path for me to get to where I'm going, you yeah, know? Yeah. And I like the way he always kind of posed it that way. Because he would always say, like, if I go to a party and people are drinking, he goes, I usually will leave, right? I just, it's not something I want to be around, you know? And he goes, because I don't want to be tempted and it's just not a part of the culture. I, you know, and he always kind of posed in these ways that were just very kind of like, like to me felt very common sense you know? Yeah, they were right, like, right. he's like, so, you know, I'm not talking bad about them. He goes, I'm not going to stand up in the middle of the party and be like, you're sinners, you know? He's like, oh... Okay, you know, hey, I've had a good evening. I'm gonna head out. You know, and yeah. he always, and I really enjoyed that because, um, 
in the church culture, I felt there were people who were way more extreme oh, in their yeah. views, you know? Oh my goodness, yes. And so I always liked the way he presented it because it always seemed very like, oh, okay, I get that, you yeah. know? And then I was, you know, and then some other people be like, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and yeah, yeah. And um, my thing too is like, I, I actually don't drink a lot and mm-hmm. I'm not tempted by it. Like if I want like wine or something with dinner, yeah. fine, but I'm not drawn to it. Yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's not really a thing, but I never feel like, oh, people who are drinking have like, you know, oh, that's terrible. <laughs> right. I, you know, do, do you? Oh, yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. So. I, I've been known to nip on occasion. <laughs> Although, yeah, now I'm not I'm, I'm not much of a drinker at all. Um, Actually, but, yeah. I think since, well, you know, we met in college. Yes. And I think that, well, it was shortly after I left college was my last time I was like super, super drunk. And it was at a church party. I wish I could say that. <laughs> <laughs> last time I was super drunk was right after... No, I'm trying to think. Super drunk. Probably, oh, no. Yeah, probably shortly after getting back from Germany. Oh, yeah. I had a really bad experiment. A friend of mine and I decided to drink and watch movies. Okay. And I remember we had Svetka and we had Jaeger. Oh. And I feel like that Jaeger put me over the edge. Really? And I'll never forget this. Um, And she listens to this. She actually brought this up on Facebook the other day. So I'm going to say her name, Denise. So she... (laughs) We were we were like hanging out my house just drinking and I got blasted drunk and I remember going to the bathroom like I was just like sick as all get out yeah so I felt so I passed out on the toilet but like long story short but I passed out like laying on the toilet so when I woke up I had this huge ring on my chest Ugh. like it hurt you know and I got up and I was like. Oh my God. And I went in my room, my bedroom, and she was like fast asleep. And I got so pissed. I was like, I could have died and you're in here sleeping pleasantly. And she's like, you know, and she was like, hold your liquor, punk. Oh (laughs) my God. Well, first of all, I'm glad I didn't know that story before because, like, I have a major poopy phobia. And if I had known that you'd been on a toilet for that long, I would have never hugged you since right. that moment, right? Like, yeah. at least a good two hours yeah. just, like, Ooh, laying yeah. on the toilet with, like, my chest over the bowl. Like, it was horrible. Ugh. I'll never... And she brought that up the other day on Facebook. And I'm like, oh. uh, And before that, I think the worst drunk I've ever been, though, was at Western. Yeah. At the band house. Yeah. Because well. actually just recently, this weekend, I went to Louisville. Yeah. And there's an Evan Williams experience there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hey. But you walk in and it's like Evan Williams everything. It's like going, it's like a, if you ever been to like a Pepsi store. Or okay. Coke, it's like that. But it's all Evan Williams. They, okay. got, they got barbecue sauce. and all. I didn't even go in the store because I walked in like the main vestibule area. And they had this like fountain that has a huge Evan Williams glass. I posted a picture on it of, <laughs> on Instagram. And I was like, and they have like a bar- fresh barrel. And they, you know, pull it. Yeah. And they put like a little grate over it so you can open it and smell it. Oh. And I opened it and I took a whiff and I immediately got nauseous. Oh, And I'm like, no. oh, I'll never forget Jason Quitmire was making drinks for me at a party. Oh. And he got me loaded on Evan Williams. And I got so sick. And I'll never forget because um, I went outside. And I think it was 
I can't remember if he told me to go out, if he went out with me, if he was out there. But I went and Jeff Roskis was oh, um, yeah, was yeah. out there. And I thought Jeff hated me. Yeah. Because he never really talked to me. He kind of always, you know. He kept to himself. He yeah. always had that serious face yeah, too. Yeah, he did. So he'd always look at me and be like, you, you, like, you fucking idiot. I'm scared to fr- friend him on Facebook. Who probably our friend? I don't you know. know. <laughs> and he was like a master musician and I was shit. You know, so like, I'm sure it was like, a, you know, he's like, I'm, you know, so you get worried about being around those dudes, you know. And I'll never forget being out there. And he had walked up to me and he put his hand on my back. He goes, just do it. He goes, just put your finger down your throat. You'll feel so much better. And I was like, yeah. He's like, just do it. <laughs> and he like rubbed my back. As I like hung over the balcony. Hung over the railing. No. Like throwing my heart out. Like just going. And he was just like, here it goes. He was Aww. so like pleasant about it. And I, was, I remember he was saying like, I thought you hated me. He was like, I don't hate you. You're good. You know, and blah, blah, blah. And then I went home, uh-huh. tried to go back to, to, I was in Corbin. Yeah. And you remember the hedge that was around Corbin? Yes, I do. So I guess I tried to jump over the hedge. What? All I remember was waking up. And I'm like, why is it so bright in my room? Oh. And I look up and I'm like, and why is there no ceiling? I was laying on the inside of the hedge, leg still in it, oh. drunk, still drunk as a skunk. Oh, and no. being like, like, I'm going to die. Oh, no. I'm like somebody. I'm like I'm like I didn't wake up with like a cigarette in my ass. Like somebody oh. just walked by, but like boop, you know. <laughs> it was horrible, and I was just like, oh. And I think I was like one. That was like the last times I drank heavy in college. Okay, so, I was like, that's huh. it. I'm done. <laughs> I, so I went to a church party. It was somebody's birthday party and they hired a bartender. And it was oh. one of these that like kept your wine glass full without, without mm. you realizing it. So I just kept drinking wine. My glass was always full. And then we got home and I remember I got sick. Yeah. But uh, when I threw up, I missed Oh. And it ricocheted off the toilet seat everywhere. All on, all on you? Yeah, and my oh. boyfriend at the time I've had to clean it up oh. that night because the next day he was showing the condo to the person oh. who would end up buying it. So it had to be oh, like really clean. Oh, my, I felt so bad. Oh, yeah. but you were drunk. Yeah, and it's and funny. It was last time. You were, you say that you're at a party with wine because that reminded me that the last time I was drunk was probably Wine Riot. Oh. <laughs> now it's like, which was would have been like four years ago, probably. Okay. And have you ever been to Wine Riot? No. It's this is amazing little company, but they they do these like wine tastings. Mm-hmm. But it's like sixty bucks, you get in. Yeah. They give you like a tumbler that has like a thumb hole on. It. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> and they and it's like safety. Like you, it's they usually limit it like a hundred bottles. Okay. A hundred different bottles, and you go through. And I remember being there and being pretty blasted. Yeah. I couldn't go home. I couldn't drive home. Others wow. spent the night at a friend's house. Oh, wow. Because I was like, I can't. Right. <laughs> I remember like, I don't yeah. know what I was thinking, but I can't get home. Oh, <laughs> She's no. like, you can stay at my house. I'm like, are we even going to get there? Oh, no. And, to, and it was at Union Station. Was it? It was at Union Station, but we taken the blue line from her house, I think. So, yeah. Mm. So, I think I ended up like crashing her place. Well, yeah. that's a good place to have it at a public transportation. Oh, it was great. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now they have it. They have it somewhere totally different now. It's Millennium Park. Oh, I wish. Yeah. I wish. I'd be great. <laughs> Wandering the lawn. Uh, <laughs> a bunch of drunks. People drunk on wine. Aww. All sophisticated. Woo. Look at me. Awful. So, okay. So, yeah. So, actually, you kind of alluded to this. Um, and I and, and so far, like, my guests on here have been people I've known. Um, so, how did we meet? <laughs> I don't 
remember. I know we were at Western. We were at sure. Western. I, I know that you lived in Corbin and so did I. Yes. Did you live on Corbin 5? Yes. Oh, okay. Then that's how we met because I lived on Corbin 6. Um, and for the people listening, um, uh, Corbin Hall was like where most of the musicians stayed at yes. Western o- Illinois University. And 5 was the first co-ed floor. Yes. Right? And, and if you've listened to episode 1, ah. you've actually heard about this. Yes. So episode 1 was my friend Sarah. She lived on 7. Okay. And Corbin. And she Got was my it. first guest on the show. Got it. And so we've talked about Corbin. A gotcha. Bit and about Western a yeah. little bit. Um, so I lived on yes. six, which is a girl's floor. And like there, there were a couple music majors, but all of, all the cool people lived on five. So I would always yeah, hang out know. on five. And it was so funny because everybody on five thought I was a resident on five. And it's, no, I wasn't. Don't I was, you live here? Yeah, no, I, I didn't. I didn't Aww. live there. But that's, that's probably, I'm just, you know, I like introducing myself to strangers. So that's probably how we met. You do. And I've seen that. Oh, you have? I've seen you and Doesn't that weird you out? No, like, not at all. Just, I, I do that. I do that too. Well, I don't do it too much in the city because people get weird. But yeah, I like, you know, saying like, I like to meet people. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I think I come off as the golden retriever of people. So like, if I'm like, hi, my name is Bina. What is yours? They're like, uh, um, uh, you know. Would you like a hug? What's wrong? Like, <laughs> Are you having a good day? Yeah, like, exactly. My day's fine. Leave me alone. <laughs> what can I do to make it better? Yeah. Yeah, yeah people are, and people are so, I mean, we live in like such a strange point in time and culture has kind of gotten so strange. Like that's kind of frowned upon now, right? Well. Like, in some ways. I think, well, and I, I hate to say it, but I think I get away with it because I'm a woman. Oh, oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I'm, well, you'd probably get away with it before I would. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, sure. I was, I, if, if uh, yeah. There's yeah, nothing there's, cute about me. They're like, no, there, there's a lot of cute things about like, you, but the there's, fuck we're <laughs> but they're, they're trying, just people's ideas take, about black men are just trying like, to take my shit. Exactly. No, exactly. <laughs> you're trying to take my shit. Oh, yeah. I love, um, one thing I do love is, is how I, I'm, I'm very observant of people oh of course and i love seeing how people react around me really or to you know like in in public you know yeah and yeah. It's, it's one of those things and like especially with when you're talking about race um i don't know who said it i can't remember who said this but it was like they said like basically being black in america is like constantly being in a in like this kind of circle circle of going am i crazy and everyone's going right. like like, you know, everyone's going, no, you're not, you know, like, you, you're trying to convince yourself you're not crazy. And right. everyone's like, maybe you're a little crazy. I'm like, no, I don't think I'm crazy. And they're like, you're crazy. You right, 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 right. And then they went, like, you know, is this racism? And they're like, no, it's not racism. And you're like, I think it's racism. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's racism. definitely racism. <laughs> it's not yeah. racism. And it's a constant battle, you know. And seeing how, like, people react to me sometimes. I'm like, hmm, I don't know about that, you know. And it's it's a, it's a interesting, ongoing Thing, well, you know. I mean, but there are a lot of people who care and like they, they spend a lot of time making sure that nobody's offended. Like yeah. I, feel, I, I did a little bit of that this week because I told you tomorrow I'm getting box braids in my hair. Yes. And I probably pulled every single one of my black friends and I was like, is it disrespectful if I get black, uh, like, you know, like, like a hairstyle that, that, you know, is typically, um, was frowned upon. Yes. You know what I mean? Like people wearing like natural hair or natural hairstyles was yes. like, you know, and I was like. And I've gotten so many interesting answers, and the the common thread seems to be 
Um, you have a little pigment in your skin that's fine, and I know that you, you mean well and that you think it's beautiful, so I, I give you the blessing. There you go. And even still, I'm, I'm like, really wary about it. But Yeah. The, yeah so, yeah. like... It, it's still, you know, we'll see how it goes. You Send know? pictures. I want to see yeah. it. Like, that's going to look so good. And if it gets tense, I just kind of say, haha, well, aren't extensions Indian hair anyway? I'm just putting it back on my head. Oh, good lord. <laughs> oh, good lord. <laughs> well, you put it like that. I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know. I know. I'm pretty stupid. <laughs> Disaster. No, you're yeah. so great. Yeah. No, you're so great. So, um, so actually, so just, just real quick, kind of going back. So, Western, good... Good experience. Uh, uh, well, like, okay. what are your your takeaways from Western? Maybe okay. Put it like that. So right now, there's like this Facebook group for a mega reunion going on. Oh God, on. I want to I want to interview that dude. Yeah, Chris Foltz. I I have no idea, but yeah. people are bringing up all these memories and everything. And I, I, I did you know I flunked out of Western? You've told me. Yeah. So it yeah. took me five years to flunk out of that school. Okay. Um, and I I finally understand why. Um, I was recently diagnosed with ADD. Yeah. So yeah. now understanding how ADD works, I was like, oh. You know, like I, you know, my executive function was probably 30% younger than where I needed it to be for a campus that's designed for adults, right? Uh, And I couldn't manage my uh, personal life, my diet, my finances, my studies, my schedule. Um, And, you know, it wasn't until until this year that I finally forgave myself for it, even though I've gone back and gotten a master's and I did really well, you know. um, But for me, um, I would say the first year was fantastic because okay. I had my shit together and you know like uh what happened the second year was I met my first very serious relationship do you remember okay was that the okay what was his name oh first name for Tim no. Yes, tall I do Tim. remember Tim. Yes, yeah, white yeah. kid. Yeah. Super tall. Super tall. Yes, yeah, I do remember Tim. Yeah, yeah. And yes. you know, like, coming from, thank God we spoke about my background, coming from a very sheltered, you know, uh, upbringing where you're not allowed to have boyfriends and things like that, yeah. trying to figure out who you are alongside another person, like, you know, who hasn't figured out themselves and being in this environment and trying to juggle everything. Oh, no. It took me the other four years to gradually flunk out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, I, I don't think I ever had my shit together last and I was like a ping pong ball. Yeah. Just like flinging against the wall, like yeah. flying at like a mile a minute. But now that I see all the recollections from people on that Facebook book group, I was just like, oh. You weren't the only one. Well, it's not that I wasn't the only one. It's just that like, it really is a party school. Um, you know what? You don't think so? No, it's not that. Cause it's funny because, um, You're- I'm, I was listening to the, the the episode previous that's going to be previous to this one. Okay, gotcha. And we in the that's with uh, my friend Lance. Lance mm-hmm. is a musician as well. Okay. So it's actually going to be interesting because the last three episodes are all musicians. Okay, right of some some variants. Um, and at one point we were talking about. I'm almost certain now it was that we were talking about Western. And I'm like, yeah, because I was like my first. You know, you get there for band camp because I was in band. Okay. And then, like, my first party ever was at the band house, right. you know, which was on Adams. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, it was like this, and the band had a party culture. You know, not like, not, it, I wouldn't, I didn't view it as bad, you know, and yeah, especially yeah. recently, I can't remember the school, but there was a school recently where the band was completely disbanded. Oh. Um, by the university. It was a student-led band wow. with a staff advisor completely disbanded. It was 
uh, hazing, bullying, oh, okay. sexual assault, yeah. and and in partying, every like everything, every negative you can think yep. of. And I'm like, and you know, and I, I was, and I remember I read the they put out a report of like kind of the investigation, mm-hmm. and then they put out a report of recommendations, both about five pages apiece. And I read both completely. Really? I read both because I was so intrigued right i'm like what though you know because i think back to western i'm like okay there were shenanigans yeah of course but i can't imagine shenanigans where they're like you know what you are done yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hop, hopper take your bed and walk oh, stop yeah i can't imagine yeah so i read the whole thing and yeah it was it was it was awful everything yeah. that was going on um and i thought back to like western and i'm like okay we drank you know because i'll never forget um i think it was homecoming we had a the the trumpet section had a breakfast. Oh, okay. And I was, you know, I'm dumb. I was like always a naive person, just in that in, you know context. And I remember like having this breakfast, all this tell tell this food, and they're like, all right, now we're gonna do a turkey shoot. And I'm like, fuck is that? You know? <laughs> and they broke out the bottle of turkey, you know, and you take a shot, you know. Oh, blah, blah, blah. okay. So I remember by the time we got to practice for homecoming, you know, the oh, homecoming gosh. game, we I remember being I was drunk. Yeah, <laughs> and I and I'll never forget because um, we, you know, we're, we're we're practicing marching, and at one point Hopper is like, he we're done with the rehearsal, and he's like, trumpets, come over here, you know how you use like, Oh yeah, 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 trumpets. <laughs> 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 I need you to go to Burger King or wherever you need to go in the union, sober up before the game, you know. And, it's so <laughs> and I remember telling he's like, y'all gotta go get sober, right? Yeah, <laughs> you got an hour, yeah. get it, and like you know, but it was never. Um, you know, yeah. Anything that I felt was over, I never felt. And it was funny because my first, almost first full year, I didn't drink, so I was never pressured to drink. Me too. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like I look back and I'm like, like I remember when I first got to campus, I didn't drink. Um, and then like I drank like Boone's Farm. You know, they'd oh, be like, yeah. oh, the Boone, right? The Boone, <laughs> the Boone's is upstairs, bro. Yeah. You know, and it was never like. Here, have a drink. Ah, oh. it was like okay, you don't drink. Here's some soda. And I remember they used to put like yeah. a couple cases of soda on the bar. That bar that was upstairs, mm-hmm. they had you know for people who didn't drink. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like you had to drink. No, it wasn't no, like no. your pressure to. I, and I would never blame like the the party environment on my failure. Yeah, you know no, no, I mean? no. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's but what I've noticed on the Facebook page is oh, that that like, was a defining. Oh my goodness! <laughs> but when I see all the updates and people talking about their time at Western, I'm like. This is so not my crowd. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? And yeah. I, th- I think that was one. I've always known this, that like at Western, there's like a fine line between doing nothing and getting by and just plain doing nothing. Yes. And I fell on the right, wrong side of the, yeah, the fence, you know, and that's absolutely. on me, you yeah. know, but I, I get it. And um, now that I realize, I was like, oh, these, these aren't my people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't relate to a lot of it because when I went to Western, I was 17. I was too. And okay. So yeah. Yeah. And I, I. A fake idea. Hell no. My mom don't play that shit. Even mm-hmm. down there, you know. So, like, I never went. I've never been to a bar in mm-hmm. Macomb. Really? Ever. I've never been no, to a bar in Macomb. You didn't go dancing with us at the Pace? Never Come been on. to a bar in Macomb. Wow. Never. Never ever. And the only parties I ever went to were band parties. I've never I never went to a, a frat party. Never. Nothing. Like, you know, the band. My whole social life revolved around the band in Corbin. Okay. And outside of that, I never. You know, gotcha. so, like. Uh, yeah. You know, so it was, yeah. So I can't, like, a lot of the posts and stuff about, the, you know, I knew the pace. I knew all those places. Yeah, yeah. I've never been to anyone. So, you know? so you weren't there in 1997 when my 19 year old butt was, like, getting down to Return of the Mac. Definitely <laughs> not. <laughs> that was my chance. Definitely not. 
And then, uh, you know, but it's interesting. And then, like, a couple years, so um, there was a young lady. I'm not going to say her last name. Okay. But her first name was Carrie. Okay. And I think you knew her. Okay. Um, so there were a couple years back. We were really there were a couple of years we were really close. Yeah. So she was working for the university. Yeah. And I would go down there for like two weeks in the summer. Uh-huh. So I remember the year that if you remember, and on Wheeler. Okay. They had yeah. the Wheeler party or yeah, something. Yeah. And they got to the point where the police came in and started macing people. Oh. Have you heard this story? No, I haven't. And there's a video of it in this group. Wow. But I remember the year that happened because she was like. <laughs> wow. Shenanigans. Like, this is bullshit. Yeah. You know, and I remember, like, us messaging, and she's like, Have you heard? It was all on the news. Have oh, you heard about wow. this? And the president is like, What the fuck? You know, and. Yeah. So, yeah. So, it, it definitely has a party culture. Yeah. Um, but I, like, I mean, you put kids in a cornfield. What are they going to do? Right. And there wasn't anything. Like, you had to go an hour and a half to Springfield to the nearest mall. Um, or you could, I don't, was there a mall in Galesburg? I think there's a mall in Galesburg. I don't. Think it was. I, the only reason I remember ever going to Galesburg was go to Steak and Shake. Yeah, <laughs> so that I was, remember, that's a good reason to go to Steak and Shake. That's the only reason I remember going to Galesburg was going to Steak and Shake. Well, and it was also an hour and a half drive to Peoria, and I would go to the gay clubs there Ooh. with my friends. Yeah, okay. yeah. Never, no. My best I didn't have a car Steve. down there. So. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I remember going to Galesburg a handful of times with people, uh, going to the VU. Okay. <laughs> Going to the Vu, uh, which was Deja Vu, which is, I wonder if that still, place still exists. Because they had, was it Thursday was Amateur Night? Oh, so, was it like a... The Vu was a strip club. Oh, okay. But it wasn't full nudity. Topless. Oh, oh okay. Club. No, I, I wasn't... you never heard of the Vu stories? The Voo, I've heard of Big Al's in Peoria. It's Big Al's, yeah. yeah so and I've, I've heard, heard of all the nonsense in Gulfport, Illinois. I've heard that place is... <laughs> I don't think there are any freestanding buildings. I think they're all trailers. So and so I think something about pregnant strippers or toothless strippers. Yeah. Like, Somebody was talking about Gulfport like yesterday yeah, in that group. Yeah. The, they posted a news article. Oh, yeah. Or the, the guy, like, um, what did he do? He got, like, all violent with his wife or something because she was dancing suggestively with a, a midget. <laughs> She's dancing suggestively. And it was like... Dirty dancing, at least the violence. <laughs> it was like the headline. And he's like, she's dancing suggestively with a midget. So he starts hitting on her. Yeah. And then the police come and, oh my God. And so I was like, go for it. It's like the, the Disney yeah, yeah. land of, of Central Illinois. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, it's awful. No, I never even heard of Gulf Fort. Yeah. Definitely never been. Yeah. So, obviously, I doubt they want me there anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, no. I just yeah. They take just, the money. That's yeah. Just, just they'll take your money. They'll take yeah. your money. They don't care. Yeah. Oh look, that reminds me of. Wasn't uh, it like BYO strip club? Like uh, I don't. Yeah, I, it was weird. I know Big Al's because Big Al's was like a complex. It had like multiple places, right? Well, that, I have no idea. Oh, that's what I, I think. I think I don't know. Somebody, you know what? If you know about Big Al's, send me a inform us. Send me an email. You like, can tell us right. Um, and the Vu was like. The, the the topless place and such that you know whatever oh, yeah so yeah good times yeah. good <laughs> memories so what was your major at Western I was music ed music um, ed and that was also the wrong major for me I was thinking logically well okay so my parents assumed that I would go to medical school like all the other Indian kids and mm-hmm. I I never doubted that until my junior year in high school when um you know like when you get subs in school like if they don't 
if they're not musicians, they're just babysitting the class. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, my teacher would put me in charge of the class to actually conduct pieces and work through them. And my oh, friends would say, nice. Bina, you would be like a great music teacher, musician. And, you know, I did really well in like the all state competitions and everything. Um, so I, that's when I first started realizing, hey, maybe I'm not supposed to be a doctor. And, you know, my parents were not thrilled with that. They did not want me to go to music school. They did not, you know, they wanted me, my, my dad's like, shut up, go for a business school. Like, you know, like he was just so. <laughs> upset um so I kind of went defiantly and then if you can imagine at the end to flunk out like that like it was double double shame it was double Indian shame they knew yeah right right so music ed seemed the most logical thing because I was like oh I can get a job as a teacher but of course you know what happens when you don't follow your heart like Hmm. your life takes a detour and eventually you get to where your heart wants to go right um so I flunked out Uh, I went to work at uh, in Chicago I moved back up here and uh you know, I was not eligible to apply for some positions that I was temping in that were beneath me, like mm-hmm. the level of work I was doing, because mm-hmm. I didn't have an undergraduate degree. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to Roosevelt. They got me the adult experience, finished real fast, Absolutely. undergraduate degree. And then my voice teacher told me to stay for my master's. So I stayed for my master's. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. So, but my master's is in vocal performance, not in music education. Is exactly where it should be. Wait, yeah. Yes. Well, we'll see. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I think. Yeah. That's exactly. I've heard you sing. Oh, you're so, so I think that's exactly where you should be. Yeah. I, I left Western. I ran out of money, but I wasn't doing well anyway. I well, what well. did you major in? Uh, music Ed. Music Ed? Um, okay. Which I think was the right decision for me. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I went into music because I didn't know what else to make. No, I, you know, in retrospect, it probably wasn't the best decision for me. Um, but it's kind of like I was good. I was good at it. Yeah. Right. I was good at it. Um, I always wanted to be a criminal profiler for the FBI, which really? is really funny. And it's, but they had a law enforcement program. Who are you telling? So it's funny because, and I think this is one reason I'm such a big supporter of like, because I mean, I think talking about college to fourth graders is a little silly, but like when you get to like about seventh, eighth grade, talking to kids about college in the future, I think is, is good because no one really did that for me. It was always like, oh. you're going to go to college. Right. But it was never any conversation really beyond that because my parents didn't go to college, you know? Mm. And so I even remember I went to a high school where college was considered somewhat the norm. So even still, it wasn't a lot of discussion about what are you going to do? And I never forget getting my scores back for the ACT. And I was I scored the highest of any African American in the school in ACT. Wow. And they were like, you got a great score. You can go pretty much anywhere you want to. And they were like, where have you applied? And I was sitting there like, uh, was, I some, was that something I was supposed to do? Right. Like, you know, like, uh, and so my senior year was literally like this mad rush to get me like in a school. And wow. so, you know, then all the teachers were helping me and the counselors were oh, helping me and so everything. Nice. Oh, it was great. But it was like, cause I, no one ever, you know, we hadn't, we, back then we didn't have those discussions. Like they, right. now it's like every year, you know? Right, and so right. I was like lucky that I got, I mean, I wanted to go to Western, and so, um, um, Mr. Pitlick, who was my band director, was very instrumental in like ushering no me through, right, through <laughs> that, that ushering me through that process. Um, and that's where he went um, as well. And so, you know, he he had Hopper, 
And mm. so he also taught summer camps there. And so that's how I met Hopper ah. to begin with. And then Hopper was like, you should come here. And I was like, shit, okay, deal. You know, and so. Mm. Well, I chose Western because it was far enough away that my parents wouldn't visit me often. Often. Uh, and I needed like some space from that. Uh, yes. You know, and then like also there weren't any other Indian kids that I knew that went there yeah. um, because they're all in each other's business and yes. gossip gets, and I just wanted my. Out. I, yeah, I just did. Yeah. yeah. And it was cheap back then too. It, well, for, yeah. For university. Yeah. I mean, it was super cheap back then. Yeah, yeah. I wish I can go back to those prices. I think those prices <laughs> that I today yeah. i'm like i'm out i quit my job i'll go back to school for those prices <laughs> but yeah but yeah i yeah i yeah i left i left in 99 so i think yeah late 99 or early 2000 mm. i i flunked out uh, i think december of 99 okay so we left about the same time yep all right yep. yeah well oh well Mm-hmm. Yeah, good people from there. I still talk to a lot of people. Oh yeah, there. yeah I agree. That was cool. Yeah. Um, well, and before then, I used to think every um, place in Illinois was like city and suburban area. I didn't realize there was so much rural. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I had no idea that, of a different culture. That's one of the reasons I went there. Was yeah. that because I went there for a camp my junior year of high really? school? Really? Yeah, first time I ever went. Because actually, a friend of mine and we talk almost daily. A girl named Crystal. That's the summer we met. I met her and her sister. These two, and so kid from from South Side Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, who who then I, I'm trying to think. So that at that point I lived in Alsip because I was mm-hmm. going to Shepherd, um, which you know, it, it, like talking about education is that opened so many doors for me. You mm-hmm. know, and like I never kind of I, I always remember that like going from CPS to going to the suburbs, how the dynamically different. Tell me. Oh, just, just everything. I mean, it's, it's like, it was like night and day. So I went uh, to the same school from kindergarten to sixth grade. Okay. Which was Thomas Brennan Elementary. It doesn't even exist anymore. Now okay. it's, I think it's, it's either Alex Haley or Malcolm X is the name of it now. But it's in, it's right off 115th and Eggleston in okay. Roseland. So went from there and transferred to Morgan Park High School. So they had this magnet program for seventh and eighth graders. Right. Hated that. Okay. Um, it was it was it was it, yeah we I, as a seventh grader going to high school we got our asses kicked every day mm. there was a very big gang culture mm-hmm. there was a drug call it was just you know hot messy yeah um and so that was the first year I've ever gotten an F in a class ever in my life really because I never could take I never took books home I never did homework because you couldn't run fast with books. <laughs> like, oh, I was oh, like no. the worst thing to say but you couldn't run fast with books so I never took books home because when that bell rang and you got out of that building trying to get from the building to the bus stop oh, or, wow. and get, oh, not get your ass beat shit. yeah I remember like we were hightailing you know and and like not like you know random kids kicking her. I'm talking about like the like gang members. You know, yeah, people right, that right, right. you're not going to hit back. You know right, what I'm saying? Right, like that exactly. kind of shit. And so like, yeah, so I failed. I remember failing that year, getting my first F ever, and then just having lackluster grades. So then we moved to the suburbs. So for eighth grade, I went to Nathan Hale Middle School in Crestwood, Illinois. And then went to high school at Shepherd. And then just like the, uh, just, you know, getting into music. Mm. happened at Morgan Park. I was very lucky for that. But just the the expansiveness of like music programs going to the suburbs, uh, the opportunities, the the classes offered, uh, class sizes being much smaller in the suburbs. Um, I mean, in high school, I went to Disney World three different times, like Mm -hmm. with performance ensembles. You know, like, you know, that I never don't, I don't think that ever would have happened at, at Thomas Brennan Elementary. 
and then I mean Morgan Park was Morgan Park was definitely a step up from where I was going right, right, right. right as far as just kind of access to things mm-hmm. and you know being open to things but going to the suburbs it was just like different night and day difference um so i had a night and day difference too oh. remember i told you that my parents put me in christian education yes. and that lasted until eighth grade my graduating <laughs> class was maybe 13 15 people Cute. maybe yeah. yeah and then my first time in a public school was my freshman year in high school oh that's nine day difference yeah i know like and i think we were the smallest um, class at Addison Trail, and we were like 300 some people. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So here I am, you know, <laughs> I don't match my clothes, you know, right, like right, right. I'm all mismatched, and I'm walking down the hallway like I do now as an adult, and I'm like, hello, how are you? I like your shirt. Good morning. Right. How are you doing? And people are like, do I know this girl? Like, because I'm, t- I'm talking to like strangers, you know, just, like, right. just being friendly, you know, um, and I, it was a nightmare. My freshman year, my, I, my hair got spit in, people would steal my keys, and I'd be locked out, yeah, of the house. And like, but it wasn't until I found the music program that I found where my community was, yes. you know, and that, and that's one place where I was able to excel and able to go places. And my dad was so mad because, um, I chose a class where I had to be there after hours for concerts and things like that. Oh, yeah. They didn't want me joining any extracurricular mm-hmm. activities or being in school when I didn't need to be. And right. So, and can you imagine going to Allstate? Like that was a big, <gasps> yeah, I know. Overnight trip. Yep. Oh, no. oh my goodness. And until then I kind of thought all white people kind of looked the same yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) my first time was like oh they're different you know like (laughs) but same thing just hi my name is Bina who are you oh yeah you look nice great to see you good morning you know yeah yeah and that's kind of what it was like at that camp so going from like what I knew Mm -hmm. and even Morgan Park was pretty diverse as a school but the you know then going to Shepherd and that was definitely very you know like all these white kids living in the suburbs and all these white kids and whatever and then going to western and then seeing like this country and all these like country kids you know Ooh, and i'm yeah. like oh my god i want to live here and that's totally how i ended up in that joint <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then hopper who was like amazing and it, i was you know of all the experience there i'm so glad i got to work you know see him work and, mm. and be in the bands where he he was helping and and just sit and talk with him sometimes. Mm-hmm. He's like in um, what was the music building name? Brown. In Brown Hall, mm-hmm. like just sitting in the lobby, and he'd come walking by and sit with me and oh, talk for a little bit. That's good. You know, and yeah, yo, he was amazing. Yeah, because he, I'll never forget, he embarrassed the shit out of me though first day because my mother literally had told him he had to like watch out for me, and so he was like, you know, doing oh. roll call whatever. And he goes, so Dion's mom. Oh, <laughs> I'm no. like no, right? This is what I'm doing. He's like, she made me promise she, I would take care of her baby. So I need uh, you all to keep an eye on him, make sure he stays out. Oh, I'm like oh, the original helicopter. I mom. hate my life. <laughs> no, but it was great. That's he, good. He, you know, and he knew because I was really shy, relatively, what? relatively shy okay. going to Western. Relatively say. shy. Yeah, I was still relatively shy. Oh. And then, you know, I think right before Western, maybe I lost like. 100 pounds. Really? So then, yeah, the shyness goes away. It was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like right before I got there. Oh, yeah. don't even. I, you know, I got an internship at Walt Disney World in 97 yes. and I lost all this weight and it was like the skinniest I had been in my life yeah. so far and it was a whore. <laughs> I, yeah. I didn't know how to handle the attention. That's not a, well, yeah. you know what? That's, you do that when you're young. It's, yeah, it's, it's fine. I did that at Western. Yeah, I was. Horrible. Yeah, yeah. Let's skip that. Fast forward. Well, we don't have to. It's fine. I got no. Sh- I have no shame. Yeah. Whatever. Obviously, you need. There are life. people still thinking about me. No. Um. It was funny. Actually, I was talking about someone with this recently, though. Um. 
So most people don't know, and I mentioned this in a previous episode. Um, I, I so I suffer from depression. Yeah, me too. And it got really bad at Western. Yeah, which me, is me one, too. Yes. That's when I yeah. And one of the reasons I I ran out of money, but the, I should have left earlier because of the depression. Mm-hmm. But like. I used sex as a hot crutch at mm. Western. <laughs> like a hot crutch. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, you know, and now, like, I can kind of look back on it and, and, and kind of, like, be like, oh, okay, you know, I see the pattern of behavior. I, I get it now, you know. Mm-hmm. And, I, I mean, and I did therapy, and so we kind of came to this realization together. But, like, now, even, like, as, a, as an adult now, I look back, I'm like, Jesus. Yeah. Hot mess, you know. <laughs> And yeah, but yeah. but that's it's a good point that you bring up. Like I said, I was just diagnosed with ADD this yeah. year at forty one. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can imagine, like I'm watching this documentary, and every time they say something, I'm like, "That's me!" You know. And one thing they say is sometimes women are misdiagnosed with depression in college because um, if they're ADD and their grades start to slip, and then they start feeling bad about themselves, they'll yeah. go into a health center, and those the psychiatrist or the psychologist will say, "Well, what's wrong?" And they're like, "Well, I'm not doing well, and I don't feel good about it." And yeah they immediately start going down the track of like, okay, we're going to treat you for depression when it could be ADD. Yes. That's what happened to me. So, um, I do struggle with depression, but mine tends to be situational. Okay. Because I I have a lot of family drama. I understand. (laughs) You know, and I learned this weekend. So I learned from the Samuel Myers Foundation. Um, Samuel Myers was a, a teenager in Mantino, Illinois. Uh, okay. Who committed suicide in 2016. He suffered from, uh, multiple, yeah. Um, mental illnesses and he, he he took his own life so his mother and father run this foundation they do a lot of education around mm-hmm. like mental health um recognizing signs and kind of using his story mm-hmm. as a way because he you know I, and but i learned this fact that from onset to diagnosis of a mental illness the average time is 10 years right and so that you know and so they were saying because he his uh, his his behavior first emanated as OCD. Oh. And so it got really bad in high school. Mm. And so he was like a wrestler. He was a star wrestler. He, he went to state all three years he wrestled. Mm-hmm. And then his senior year, he literally had to quit wrestling because of the OCD got so bad. Yeah. But then he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Oh. And so then in the mix of trying to deal with the OCD and the bipolar, you know, through medication mm. and through therapy, he um, was just, you know, trying to find those, the medication and then mm, the yeah, therapy, it, yeah. he, he was having a lot of trouble. He didn't feel like it was helping him. So then he kind of found, fell into the, the hole of um, using marijuana. Oh. And so he was using self-medicating yeah, yeah. to deal with it. And and his parents made a good point and they kind of... They they obviously have a very negative view of marijuana, um, but they were saying like the marijuana masked his symptoms. Right. So for him, that's like I'm good. Right. But you're not right because because right. the minute you don't have no weed in your hand, it's full on there in your face. Right. It's not been dealt with. So that's what he went through. Right. He was medicating, 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 and then when he didn't have the weed, full on reality is there, and he's dealing with. Now these multiple things that he has no treatment for. Right. And so, yeah, he eventually ended up taking his own life. Well, I I think that's really important, too, because we Mm -hmm. all have our ways of coping and medicating ourselves. Mm -hmm. For me, it was binge eating. Um, And actually, that's what led to my ADD diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Um, My doctor put me on a medication for binge eating, which also treats ADD. So all of a sudden, 
these other things I didn't even know were wrong started getting better. And thank oh. God, like a friend of mine who is an expert on ADD talked to yeah. me about it. And he started rapid firing these questions. And I was like, yes, 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 yes. And he goes, Bina, I can't diagnose you, but holy cow, you have, I think you have ADD. Go get a formal diagnosis yeah. from somebody. Yeah. But also you and I come off as very happy people. Yes. So people don't associate depression with either one of us. Oh, so, for sure. Yeah. No, because, no. you know, people are like, oh, you shit sunshine, Bina, you know, like, and it's yeah. like, maybe... But um, it doesn't, uh, it impacts your way of functioning. Yes, you know? for sure. Yeah. 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 It, it, it was interesting. I went to a workshop on motivational interviewing. Mm. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Mm. It's, it's interesting. I couldn't even explain if I wanted to. <laughs> but it's like, it's, it, it, it was a motivational interviewing for uh, behavior change. Oh, okay. kind of what it's one. So, it, and it's just like this method of kind of, of interviewing someone oh okay and you and and when you do it and you hear it it sounds very much like a therapist oh yeah so when the 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 teacher who's this nationally renowned like you know who people who do it and it's it's been found to actually be very successful in changing behaviors of dealing with um you know around public health and so, right. you know, and so he, he, so they're having their heyday because they're, they're, you know, doing these studies and the studies are coming out glowingly well. And they're mm-hmm. like, fuck yeah, what we've been saying for years is working. So he was like, so let me kind of demonstrate this with someone in the class. So he goes, so I want, and I want you guys to be able to practice. And part of that is that you'll be dealing with people in, in very tense and a very emotional right. situations. So let's take, let's try to recreate that. So he had this list of like all negative things. And one of them was like, uh, I, Something I wish had never happened to me. And I was like, he goes, who wants to volunteer? And I'm like, Fuck, I'll volunteer. <laughs> and he was like, what You know, what do you have? I was like, uh, something I, I wish had never happened to me. And he's like, well, what's the thing you wish had never happened? I'm like, going to Afghanistan. Yeah. And he goes, oh, he goes, that'll work. <laughs> Not knowing that in full swing of this is basically a therapy session. Of course. And, all, and then, so I'm sitting in front of this room full of strangers yeah. and two coworkers. And like, basically, you know, because part of... I think for me, um, I, I I stopped taking medication for depression oh. on my own. Yeah, yeah. To get into the army, mm-hmm. and I've I have not talked about this for years because I was afraid because I lied. I basically lied to the army to oh, get okay. in because I you know do you suffer one of the questions do you suffer from depression or, or any you yeah, know right. hell's no no do you take any medication <laughs> hell's no yeah. you know um, and I and I I learned very well through therapy how to kind of deal right yeah, yeah, yeah. of course kind we of, cope. How to cope, right, and how to deal with it very, like, for me, very now, very constructively, yeah, right? right, I, you know, and such. But it was it's interesting because the added kind of thing is like, um, post Afghanistan, like, I, like, I often feel like there's a added layer, yeah, of like gunk. Gunk, yeah, that's the best way to put it, yep. right? That I kind of have to deal with, and so he and he was kind of like, he goes, do you feel like part of like your disposition is trying to like cover that up? I'm yeah. like, oh, for oh, yeah. sure, yeah, for sure, oh, for sure, yeah. And so it was really interesting um, and uncomfortable all the same time, but yeah, but it was interesting. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, these, and it, it was it was weird because everyone in the room was just like, oh, this is intense. <laughs> right, <laughs> things went from zero to hundred really fast. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, we're good, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, all right. But you and I are both the type of people to take that on. Like, I don't, yeah. I'll be very open about my business if it helps somebody. Yeah. Yes, I'm, I'm getting more so now. Yeah. Um, because most, yeah, most of my friends, I think more, most of my friends now know 
that I, that I was diagnosed with clinical depression. But mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot of people who know me who don't know, mm-hmm. right? And I'm getting more comfortable talking about it. Uh, I think as I get further away from the from the military, You're okay. you know, because yeah. it wasn't something you talked about. There. I didn't. I definitely didn't talk about during that period of time. So now that I'm like like 10, 10 years now away mm-hmm. from that, I feel much more comfortable. Got it. Talking about because I'm. I mean, I don't. I don't feel anything about it. But um, yeah, you know. And now like my interpersonal relationships are different. You know, they they change yeah. over time, whatever. And so you you know now I'm able to reflect more. Um, on past relationships yeah. and experiences and kind of get some newfound knowledge. Um, and it's interesting because I told you I want to talk about marriage. Yes. Uh, which, you know what, I actually want to hold that. But one of the reasons I want to talk about marriage is because you're in a uh, marriage. Yes. With a very delightful person. He is delightful. And, I'm, and, I, want, and I definitely want to probe like... Uh, like how you met ah. and like how that happened because like, I, you know, like I'm getting to that point now where I'm kind of like, I went through a period of like looking at my married friends and be like, fuck that. And now like I'm getting more towards the period where I'm kind of like, okay, maybe they, maybe they know something. Uh-huh. No, maybe they know something I don't know. And I find myself not kind of exploring more these topics of intimacy yeah. and long-term yeah. coupling and all this. But first, yes. before we talk about okay, that, okay. I definitely want to... So you are a vocalist. I'm a vocalist. What do you sing? Like, uh, what is, I studied classical music, so a lot of people think that's uh, opera. I think I've been burned by opera. Because like, okay. when it was time for me to audition for things, um, I don't think that the um, climate was as receptive to people of color. Well, okay, so there's like a, there's opposite ends of the spectrum. The African-American people have their own community within opera. And then like, you know, it's a Western European, you know, art form. So, but then all of us in the middle, we're kind of miscellaneous for a long time. Yeah. You know, so a lot of the work that I do is like small ensemble or choral singing. And then like, for people who aren't familiar with that, like if my husband or a friend is talking about it, she sings anthems for the Chicago Bulls, that type of thing. You do that yeah, too, yeah. yes. So yes. like um, there, there's a way to understand it, no matter how you look, just like God, you know. Yes. So um, you, so like ensembles you've been in. Oh, okay. You, <laughs> you had this face like, oh, oh God. There's a lot of drama, of course. Is there a lot of drama? Well, colleagues are great. Okay. You know, when you're in your 20s, you know, you, you got those stinkers that, like, really, you know, don't think that their shit smells, you know. Oh, and, I'm sure. Especially know, in that. Yeah, in that field. I feel like in that, please correct me if I'm wrong. Because no, um, I feel like even in the instrumental field, there are people who who are good. Yeah. And great. And they, but they come, and they also come from backgrounds of privilege. Yeah. To begin with. Yeah. So you kind of have someone who's like. Been really good their entire life. Yep. Also from a background of privilege. Yep. And they really think, they doubly think their shit don't stink. Yo, yo, yo. And, you know, and they, right. So is that. Uh, yeah. In our 20s. Kind of, you know, but okay. then, you know, the audition process kind of knocks us all down like five pegs. <laughs> because what is it? Like you have to go to 100 auditions that say no before you get the one that says yes or yeah. whatever. You know, and conservatories kind of play into that because, you know, they kind of say, oh, you're going to go sing in an opera. And like a lot of these people graduate thinking that they're going to be at the Met. And some, a few make it, you know, but others, you know, don't hone their skills to sing in an ensemble or work on their sight singing skills. And then by the time they've been 
told no enough times and they're ready to take a, a job like the rest of us schleps, you know, like their skills aren't up to date, you know? So, uh, yeah. yeah. So by this age, like it's, it's all a great community, you know? Yes. Um, it sometimes the organizations I sang for the Chicago symphony for 15 years, Fine. For 15 years. 15 years. Nice. 16, 16? I don't know. 15, oh, wow. 16 years. Okay. Yeah. And then I retired. Um, yeah. Yeah. There was some like, I, I just don't think that my vibe and the vibe of like management administration is like on the same page. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. There's like a lot of different things, microaggressions that happen. There. Okay. But uh, Grant Park Music Festival is my favorite um, summer gig. And I've been to so many of your oh, performances that they didn't even write. I, I love, I mean, it is just... You know, they re- really respect you as a musician. Like, yeah. the chorus people aren't afer- afraid of their contracts not being, like, renewed or anything. Like, yeah. it's, it's just a very positive environment. Is it very competitive? Oh, yeah. Is it a highly competitive atmosphere? Oh, my goodness, yeah. I would say it's, like, the best people from, like, Lyric and Symphony and yeah. other places. But, that's it, where they but it's go. not, like people you don't i mean i don't know because i've never been in that it's not beauty pageant right it's not like where yeah. right people are sabotaging sabotage. no, no 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 everybody <laughs> i'm is, gonna get her chair no 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 okay like that like okay. everybody's like really really nice and encouraging them. okay all right because yeah, i don't i don't really yeah know about that world then cause. a lot you know a lot of us have, i've been at uh, my church shop fourth presbyterian for 15 16 years at this point nice. yeah so and then i sing at whatever church will hire me on not sundays yeah you know yeah. I, I really like church music and, um, you know, I'll just, if it pays and it's not too much of a pain in the ass, I'll do it. So what is it like performing at Millennium Park Oh, it's, in the summer Yeah, in front of a, I mean, those crowds... It doesn't phase me. Be huge. Because there's like there's like a hundred of us or hundred fifty whatever, I don't know the yeah. number. But so it's like it doesn't phase me, but when you put me up there by myself, yeah. like when it's the national anthem for the Bulls and it's just by myself. <laughs> Which is like a full stadium. Yeah. And, yeah. and you have basketballs whizzing past your head <laughs> just seconds beforehand and then the lights go dark and the spotlight is on you and oh. if you remember the words and you don't pee your pants, it's a good day. If, if. right? Oh, is yeah. it if, if. yes. Yeah. Oh, that's so amazing. So I don't like criticize my because like, it's not the best technique that um, it's not my best singing honestly for national anthem stuff yeah but it's about yeah. keeping your cool that's yes. the game that's the game right right so and yeah i mean half the people are drunk the other half can, <laughs> you know it's like uh, okay it's cool that's amazing Thanks. i'm like yeah uh i wonder about that because I, yeah, I go to a lot of the concerts at Millennium. Yeah. So I've heard You're always out and about. But you just started playing too. I just, yeah, 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 yes. Yeah, I started playing trumpet again. Yes. Which is so weird. Was it, did it come back immediately or? Uh, <laughs> I wasn't a good trumpet player to begin with. Oh, come on, really? So, no, no, I really, I really wasn't. I started playing trumpet because I used to play in the snow a lot, um, even as a teenager. What and I you- get... Uh, frostbite all the time so my principal is saxophone oh oh yeah i remember that yeah Yeah. and so i remember like one time i got frostbite i had to go like to the hospital Mm. it got real bad Mm. and they were like if you get frostbite again you're gonna lose some fingers and i'm like well you need 10 to play saxophone but you only need three to play trumpet it doesn't even matter which three you need three and so i started that's like totally why i learned how to play which is the the craziest story ever but it's completely true i started learning to play trumpet because you only need three fingers and so um and then when i went to college trumpet players tend to have more fun in marching band right because you you just they're cocky as hell and you're cocky right (laughs) right and you're with like these cocky ass dudes who you know and so so yeah it was great so i played trumpet and marching band at western because of that um 
but yeah, but yeah, it's um, yeah, I, I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah. Do you like it though? Yes, yeah. yes. I was with the Lakeside Pride marching band. Um, they're actually gearing up for some fall performances, and just time wise, I just can't haven't been able to get in because I wanted to do the fall stuff too, but summer stuff was great. We yeah. did a bunch of parades, the Pride Parade, which uh-huh. was amazing. Um, yeah, yeah, it was so much fun. Yeah, I love like you know I miss playing. I love playing. Um, so yeah, I'm teaching myself guitar. <laughs> so I don't know what I'm gonna do with that, but I'm hoping I, I can show up in a coffee house someday and oh, do, play some Dave, pot belly. do some Dave Matthews. <laughs> right, <play a> pot <laughs> belly's. They would give me a sandwich. Yeah, for free. here's your sandwich side. I'm yeah. a nigger. and your small cup of water. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> we have my sandwich, just totally happy. Yeah, so it's great. Yeah. You know, it's been it's been a long time since I played, so it's like fabulous to be playing again. You know what, though? Um, I have to say in classical music, there's so many um, things that you put on your voice to make it sound like an opera singer, right? And yeah. now I'm starting to learn how to use my actual voice, which has been scary up until now. Okay. If you ask me to sing pop music, I suck at it. Oh, yeah. so, I'm sure you sound great. Uh, no, I don't. Whatever. And Especially if I try to do runs, I sound like a just-born giraffe that's falling down a hill. Stop. <laughs> Stop. Uh, yeah. Well, it's different. It so, is different. So yeah. I used to sing in a metal band. Oh, I believe it. So, yeah. and that's completely different yeah. than any other kind of singing you know yeah. so it's like weird right because you even if you do that well yeah. um it's like you can't yeah sing yeah yeah <laughs> anything know. else like oh yeah so trying to sing anything else is totally different yeah like, oh god so yeah so it's it's really interesting so another thing that came to my mind um you're gonna have to edit this down for, for no time. <laughs> not at all we're we're short we're still short we're good okay we're good on time you see you haven't listened to any of my episodes not yet yeah that's been in a, the weeds that's okay so the longest one is three hours okay the shortest one has been an hour and a half okay so we're good we're good we're totally good, good. no worries fuck them if they don't like it um <laughs> so you came when i was teaching oh yeah i did do you remember this <laughs> You came to my school. One of your students tried to charm me in well, Spanish. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, so just to set the scene for this, I, I I taught in a high school. It was a, a career academy, so everything was kind of focused around careers and and working and job. And so I I was trying to figure out something to kind of engage my students um, in talking about careers and and future decisions. So, and with the youth there's such a strong correlation between success and money mm-hmm. that it becomes a little, un- <laughs> it comes a little unnerving, yeah. right? Cause everything is about, you know, you got to make a lot of money to be successful. <laughs> and I'm like, look, here's reality. It's like 40 of you. You're not all going to be millionaire. Like, you know, you're not all going to make boatloads of money. So right. if you think that equates to happiness, you're all going to be very sad, right? Let's be real. Right. You money know? is only one way to accomplish it's things. It's only one way. It's only one method. You know, some of you will get a lot of it. Some of you won't. But it doesn't mean that you can't still be happy. You're not still successful. So I created a speaker series called Like a Boss, right? Those people who were living like a boss. And I've always considered you oh, to really? be one of those people for sure. And I'm like, and so it was you. Um, I actually have the flyers still in my, every yeah? office I have. Aww. I still have those flyers up um, in my office. 
so was you. My buddy Lance, who was in yeah. on the last episode, he was one of the speakers. Um, Adam Redzevic uh, from the, oh, yeah. the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. Uh, uh, Perez Figueroa, who's a now a black belt. I think he's like 24, 25. Like wow. young black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Really successful competitors are now a really successful MMA fighter. Um, my buddy Riot Waller, who's a very successful MMA fighter. So it was kind of like all these just different people, different um, different, you know, jobs, different areas, different interests. And I, and they were all would consider themselves successful, right? Yeah. And none of them are rich. But they're all because, you know. And so I had, and you were one of the people come in. So you explained what happens when you show up. Wait, wait, wait. How old were these kids again? 14. 14. Freshmen. High freshmen. school freshmen. Yeah. So they walk into the room. We get, we have like a run through of like what would happen and everything. They walk into the room and this one Casanova. Oh my God. Yes. yes. He starts like, hola, como esta? And everything. You know, which is funny because even Indian people speak to me in Spanish. They don't, like nobody knows I'm Indian. Yes. Um, and I was like, I don't speak Spanish. I'm Indian. And he just, he kept going. <laughs> of course he kept yeah, going. Yeah. Trying to get his swerve on. Yeah. I was like, look, my man, you gotta go sit down. She, yeah. Or you need to find uh, Dion's uh, assistant pastor's <laughs> wife. <laughs> oh, no. Don't find her. Sorry. Full no, no. <laughs> no, you're yeah. fine. No, but it was, yeah, I'll never forget that. Because he was like, como estas, And I was like, <laughs> you were like, I don't know. No. And you were so sweet though, because I would have like fuck up my face. <laughs> Who are you? I don't know you. Get away my face. You were so I don't speak Spanish. And he kept on going like uh, I'm like, man, go sit down. Just go sit. That's how they are. I he, know. He's trying to get his swerve on. Yo, he's trying to get it in. I ain't trying to, I ain't not gonna talk. He he would he would have been so scared if I had like talked back. Oh my god, like, even worse, right? He'd <laughs> been like, well, now what? Am I coming over your house tonight? Like, yeah, oh, oh, no. Oh. <laughs> oh no. I'm on my home. <laughs> Hell no. <sighs> and he, he was a sweet kid. Yeah. I don't know. They all, I mean, they all were. They were all sweet yeah. kids, but that was funny. Um, but that's why it was nice because I know he didn't mean any harm. No, you know, no. Like, he, he was trying to get them numbers, though. He, yeah. he, he knew a beautiful mom when he saw her. So, you know, he's trying to get, you know, get them numbers. No, he's not going to talk so. So, <laughs> you know, saying, I don't know, uh, and and you dazzled them with your personality, Aww, so nice. and then you sang for them, and they were all like, "Do you remember when you sang for them?" I sang the Habanera from Carmen, and they were just like jaws on the floor. <laughs> all the boys were googly eyed. Uh, it was uh, the girls were just like, "Oh my god, what just happened?" It was great. But I, I remember their th- their questions were really thoughtful. Oh yeah, yeah they were great. Yeah. They, yeah, were, they were they were wonderful. you know, and I'll never forget because I I intentionally left the we were in the library yeah and i left the door of the library open so when you sang oh <laughs> everybody was like what is that people were like running down the hallway like what is going on and the principal came and spoke to me multiple times after that he really? was like what was that sick that's amazing oh, oh my god <laughs> now, what was what that was noise? <laughs> we need to have who her was back screaming? who was I'm, having a medical episode i'm like that's my friend that's, uh, <laughs> that's how we do uh, you know no it was a great it was uh, a great experience they loved that uh, and it was fabulous um one of my best memories of you uh, for sure oh my gosh for sure gosh oh dion i'm so happy you're still in my life oh i'm really happy am. you're mine and so now let's talk marriage oh yes so uh can we talk about your husband is it okay he is lovely he's not here so we can talk about him yeah let's go <laughs> Yeah, here, let's talk about him. Um, his name is Tilo. Tilo. And he's German. He is so German. He is very German. He's so German. He is very he, German. No, you see, because you have to understand, like, 
Tilo has this voice. It's very deep. That's so smooth. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, Tilo, run my back and tell me a story. <laughs> <laughs> run my back and tell me a story, Tilo. That was like, one of the first things that like hooked me. It was the voice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, his voice is amazing. Yeah, it was, it was super deep, and he had a, a tiny German accent. Yes, he like, does. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's so great. And he's very handsome. He's fabulous. He's very handsome. Yes. Um, that, he's my second marriage. Okay. I actually met him while I was married to number one. Okay. And my, my ex-husband does know that. I'm good friends with my ex-husband. Aww. Yeah. He went to Thailand um, to meet up with this girl and uh, that he had started seeing this year. Uh-huh. And so I was babysitting, you know, Aww. his cat for the, for the month. And she's going to go again in four weeks. And I'm going to do the same thing. But oh, we so just had dinner last night. so. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, he's a good guy. Oh, yeah. that's excellent. Yeah. So how did you and Tila meet? Huh. It was so shady. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, but it was it was an online thing. Okay. Yeah, and honestly, both both of us were in a spot where we wouldn't normally find each other because we yeah. were both losing our mind. Yeah. 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 I, I think in hindsight, like um, for him, you know, his relationship wasn't the best, you mm-hmm. know, and be, because he's so German, like there are things he's lovely, right? Yes. But there are things ten years later that we're still working on, yeah. right? Um, because I'm a chatty Kathy and he's a silent Bob. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, so often when I hear him speak, but, well, uh, it's been about what he's frustrated with, not what he's happy with. Yes. So then, you you know, and of course he's my ultimate crush. So you feel, I just felt like my butt cheeks were constantly clenched. Like, <laughs> am, I, am I good enough? What am I doing wrong? Oh, oh my gosh. How can I? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I would walk on eggshells and it, it's sad because... He has so many big feelings behind um, that kind of tall, silent, German, smooth uh, facade, you know, and I don't see them until, you know, we get into a fight and I'm hurt and he's, you can tell that it hurts him worse that I'm hurt, you know, but that's not how I need to know that he loves me, you know. So recently, you know, we, we talked about things and we were, we talked about what's getting in the way of him communicating how he feels. And, and, uh, this past weekend was like night and day, you know, so now he's very much aware of how his face looks on the outside. Yes. Yeah. Before he would feel something and it would manifest on his face and I would pick up on it, but he was unaware that it was showing on the outside and I can read people. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been good. He's a lovely guy. Uh, we, we met in, uh, <laughs> it, it was very shady circumstances, you know, I'm not judging. That's fine. That's <laughs> fine. Um, uh, but uh, like, like I said, 10 years later, we're together. Yeah. yeah. How long have you been married? Uh, 2016. So this coming October oh. will be three years. Oh, wow. Three years. Yeah. So I went to your wedding. Yes, yes, Which you did. At Fourth Presbyterian. Yes, yes. Beautiful. Thank you. And it was, I think you described it best. You were like, it was a concert with a marriage inserted. I think that's what the minister said. Oh, did he say, <laughs> yeah, you he know what? He so did. He yeah. was like knocking us. He was like, well, it was a concert. You know? He's like, it's like, it was. How many songs were there? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, it was mostly a cappella repertoire. So it was like the rece- the the processional. There was like a, a song. Then there was like an Indian song. There was a Bavarian song during one of the ceremonial things. And then um, there was like a hymn. So like five. Okay. Yeah. And one of them was a, I'm trying to think what song it was. One of them was like a song I know real well and I'm like a big fan of. And I was like, <gasps> I don't know what song. Oh, Joy? 
No. No, that was the him. No, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, I won't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. I remember nothing. But I remember like looking through the pro. Like, Eric Whitaker. Looking at the Eric Whitaker piece, which was. That was my processional. Uh, was it, was that Luke's? Oh, oh Luke's. Uh, no. Um, Luke's Arumque. Uh, Luke's Arumque. Oh, my, and you know what's so funny? What? Just, just as a side. You know, I used to march in a drum corps. Yeah. Uh, the Cavaliers. Yeah. So they did a piece of his. Yeah. So they ended up doing a concert in L.A. this summer. Okay. With this, uh, I, I don't know, I can't remember his name. He's the trumpet player that plays the the, 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 the theme music to The Incredibles. Okay. That guy. Famous, right. Famous trumpet player. But so they did this concert and Eric Whitaker, I, I so they, he tweeted them and mm. was like, hey... Can I come by the performance tonight? Wow. Obviously, like fuck yeah, you know. Yeah. And so he shows up, yeah. and he took it. And on their page, on their Facebook page and Instagram, there's this group picture of all the guys and Eric Whitaker. And like, wow. he's one of my favorite composers. Yeah, but I mean, he's amazing. Yeah, yeah, he's amazing. And so, like, you know, it's like so cool yeah. because uh, he doesn't let a lot of people do his pieces oh and there are some pieces of his that 100 percent people can't like i, I was, oh right because right, right. they were talking about there's it on the page and, yeah, like yeah, there's yeah. some things some pieces of his he's like no you cannot perform this piece like i don't fuck well you know oh, yeah, yeah. and so uh i don't even remember what piece of his that they actually performed but it was one and he was yeah, like yeah. and he allowed them to, you know gave yeah. his permission and so it was like really cool yeah so dumb dumb band stuff whatever no that's fine <laughs> No, but I, the thing that I liked about that wedding is even though it was at Fourth Presbyterian, which is like a icon, it was, it was so low key compared to the first one. When I, when I married my first husband, like thing about the Indian community is that because they all immigrated from the, together from the seventies, they feel obligated to invite each other. So the guest list is like seven, eight hundred, nine hundred people. Right. So when the Burbs, they had to take out the, the partition between all the ballrooms in the venue oh, dear to, Lord. to accommodate all. Oh, my this... dad invited over 800 people. Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. That's not even right. I know. <laughs> I know. You know, th- this was much smaller. And, yeah. you know, we didn't do a banquet or anything afterwards. We just had cake and coffee and some nibbly yeah. things. And that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, honestly, okay, as a wedding guest, do you really want or do you look forward to banquet food and all that stuff? You know what? No. Yeah. I figured. Um, it's, you know, it's one of those things that like, I mean, especially for me. I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. I've been to three weddings mm-hmm. and four receptions. Mm-hmm. So the first, obviously, I missed one of the weddings. Right, right, right. <laughs> and, and so that one, um, it was at some, I don't even remember the church, but it was it was the, the reception was at Medina Country Club. Oh, yeah, yeah. So if you know Medina Country yeah, Club, yeah. it's extremely, right? Yeah, Right, extremely oh, ritzy and and such. Kind of golf course, right? Yes, yeah, yeah it's a, yeah, it's a, yeah. And I remember, so it's funny. I was dating a woman. A, a, she's not a doctor now. Um, she was getting her doctor at the time. It was a coworker of hers, and and, and the, it was the wife and the husband. And she explains it to me. She says, "You know, will you be my plus one? You know, we've been dating for a while." I'm like, "Sure." And I like, you know, I'm one of the people like almost anything to me is funny, and I, I, oh, make, yeah. <laughs> I make fun of things that yeah. you know a lot of people won't make fun of, whatever. I said, "So let's play a game." How many black people? And she explained to me who the people were. Okay. I said, let's play the game and where it was. <laughs> I said, let's play the game. How many black people will be there that don't work there? And oh, so, no. And so I said, less than four. Okay. And she was like, no, because my one coworker, her husband's black. And blah, blah. I said, That's less than four. four. <laughs> it's like, so so we, we, like, I think we bet like 10 bucks. I was like, less than four, you pay me. Yeah. More than four, I pay you, you know, whatever. And we bet, you know, whatever. So we get there and there was a Lambo. 
sitting out front. Oh, okay. I said less than three. <laughs> <laughs> Based on the presence of a Lamborghini, there's no black people inside. Oof. So I don't won. I told yeah. them one. There were two of us. Yeah. At the whole wedding. Yeah. And um and it was you know, it was it was funny. You know, it was like one of those, you know, it, it, that, it that, is what that it is. lady's husband and you. And it was. Yeah. That's all it was. And it was <laughs> and, and all the other black people would be worked there. Yeah. You know, so you still uh, it was right at ten total. But like, you know, it was like hot mass, you know, it was good, but it was it was interesting. And then since then my friends, um, Tom and his wife, uh, Laura, I went to their wedding. Which was cool. And they had like a post-dinner thing. Mm-hmm. And then um, my friend Carlene and her wife, um, who actually recently ended their relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and then your wedding. Yeah. Um, and so, yes. Um, yeah. I-, I figured people don't look forward to banquet food. No. I, I love what you had after. Yeah. It was perfect. Because it's like you capture the high. There's not like this awkward gap where, okay, the couple's off taking photos and then you're, there's like a three hour gap and then you go to the dinner somewhere else yeah. like I, I just didn't want to do that we had dinner on our own that night which was I mean yeah. I'm sure for you too was, and especially like because those situations have to be very stressful still too too right well yeah especially when you're dealing with two different cultures I mean his family from Germany came and they, they were like so chill but like yeah. my mom had like some things that she expected and I was like well you can't do that here you know and yeah. because it was the second wedding I could be like well you know, sorry, <laughs> that, sorry. That, that ship's slow. Yeah, so, it's sorry. already a shame that I got divorced in the community. Indian shame, you know, like so. Let, let's not I like this. Indian shame. Indian shame. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah. that's cool though. And your dress was beautiful. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. He and, wore a, a, a Bavarian suit. Yes. So he had a German. He suit. looked great. Yeah. He and, looked amazing too. Yeah. He's so. I mean, I love your husband. Yeah, absolutely love your husband. I love him too. And um, and so he has children. He's got three kids. From a previous marriage. Yes. I've met two. And they are. <laughs> so have I. I've and, only met two. Okay. And they are 100% delightful too. And okay. so, yeah. Uh, the, the youngest one is the one that I have most contact with and she is. The uh, girl. Yes. Yeah. She's delightful. She's amazing. Um, She, because I've met her on more than one. Because I've seen her. Because I even ran into her once, him and her at Millennium Park once. Oh, And nice. she was like, hey. Oh, that's so nice. Just so cute. I love her. I love her. Adorable. Yeah. And it's, yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, it's it's cool, man. Yeah. It's really cool. And I'm very happy for you. Thanks. So what is the, from your perspective, (laughs) what is the key Ah. to a successful relationship? Ooh, uh, knowing that you always have to kind of check in. You you can't do like status quo, okay, we're good and set it and forget it. Like it's a crock pot. You know what yeah. I mean? Because you both are always growing and you're all both also going through different things. Like his work is completely different than mine. Yes. Right? So we're changing as people every single day. Mm-hmm. And making that commitment means that you're committing to growing together. Mm-hmm. You know, unless the partner goes into a direction that you don't want to grow in. And then you have to love yourself enough to say no and, and take yourself out. Yeah. You can't be attached in that sense. But um, for us... You know, it's assuming good intent. Yeah. You know, like I always know that there's a good guy, you know, even if it's like the most thoughtless thing in my opinion that he does, you know, and kind of assume that you're going to get into shit. Okay. It's not what you get into. It's how you get out of it. Okay. You know, so I should be able to tell you something that I like if you and I were married. To me, that means I should be able to honestly tell you something that I have an issue with, but in the kindest way possible. Yes. Like, honesty without kindness is just brutality. 
Yes. Right? I 100% agree with that. Right. Yes. So it's being able to communicate in that way and able to like listen that way and, and realize, okay, this person means well and they're going through a lot of trouble to communicate kindly what they need from me. And it's not necessarily about me. It might be about their needs or, or something like that. Okay. So we, you know, when he first moved in with me, we went to therapy because the balance was off as far as give and take. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So go to therapy if you need to. Talk to like a third party who um, can mediate. And I think people, like I, I, I think I perceive this a lot. Uh, I think people view therapy as a negative. Like it's oh, no. A, or a thing that's only... Um, like only to be like only something to do when you're dealing with problems. Oh no! Do, you don't. Do you view it that way? Oh no! Okay. I have my. Th- I mean, I have problems now, but I'm going to my therapist, and you know, if we're in a good spot where I'm cruising for now, yeah. I'll, I'll you know take it. I I might not see her, or I might just check in once in a while. Yeah. Um, but I think, especially being a musician, and like I said, and dealing. With being in this climate, especially politically, racially, yes. you know, it, the world is complicated and it's stressful. And there's more people that I see with anxiety than ever before. You oh, know? yeah, for sure. And you, you just, you got to burp your Tupperware. You can't just keep it inside. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. like, yeah, talk to a therapist or at least reach out to a friend. And I, yeah. wait, do you find that men don't have the same kind of relationships, like friendships that women do? Um, I see that men tend to isolate themselves. I would, I'm going to agree Mm -hmm. simply because if you look at most of my close friends, they're women. Yeah. Um, and it's really funny because I recounted this on a separate episode for most of my twenties. My mom thought I was gay. Oh. Um, and that was because I told her I was. Oh. (laughs) And that was how I told my mom I suffered from depression. Oh. Was I'm like, I'll tell her I'm gay. Oh. And then... The depression won't seem so bad. Oh my goodness. It's a <laughs> and, lesser of two evils. And I did. And it was the worst idea ever. In retrospect, I know this now. But um Sorry, Mom. She, she fainted. yeah, she fainted. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and Especially being of your religious background. Holy cow. She, she fainted. Yeah. yeah, it was it was it was a hot mess and, and in retrospect it was a bad plan. But um I grew up in a in a house full of women. I didn't live with another man till college. Yeah. My father, my mother and father separated when I was five. Yeah. So I, I would spend weekends with my father, mm-hmm. um, occasionally like two, three weeks in the summer, mm-hmm. but not like, I mean, I didn't extend live with another male, you know, at, at any point in mm-hmm. my, in my really in my life until I got to Western mm-hmm. and then, you know, and then actually, uh, moving to Corbin was co-ed, but before that I was on an all male floor, okay. you know? And so, you know, more, more men, um, and it's funny because people always ask me all the time, like, you know, like, most of your friends are, are females. And I'm like, you know, I've just always, I think you can, like, me and you, mm-hmm. even without this microphone, right, right, right. could have a very free-flowing conversation. Oh, yeah. Right? And we could talk about almost any topic. I agree. Right? Yeah. And, and, and I feel like with men, because I've, ne- I've never felt that I fit kind of the archetype of, a, of like, of a, of a man. You know, and like, I don't like football. I, like, I think you, you know. would feel different in Europe. And I think that's what makes Tilo so delightful to you. Oh, oh for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yes. And I would probably agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, but like, you know, I've never been in that. I've never, you know, kind of been in that ilk, you know? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so, um, like, I have more closer male friends now at this point in my life than I ever have. Yeah. And yeah, oh, for sure. And there's still not many, you know, but... um. 
but now I feel like I can connect with men better. Yeah. You know, on a more de- on a deeper level. On right. A, and I think that's the problem that a lot of men have is it is it is so superficial. Let's meet yeah. up for a beer and watch the game. Yes. It's not really seeing each other. Yes. But I just to whoever's listening, think about what burden, whether you're a man or a woman, that places on your partner. If you don't have a therapist and you don't have a friend, yes. like all of a sudden that person has to do double duty or advocate for you when you can't yes. advocate. Okay. So in his previous marriage, he has a lot of complaints. And at one point in time, like he feels like the rug was pulled out from underneath mm-hmm. him, that um, he didn't have a lot of control of the situation. And I kind of stopped him and I was like, you know, there's a lot of things I don't like about your ex-wife from what I've heard. I've never met her. But... This one's your fault because at a certain age, you're expected to advocate for yourself so. and be able to speak up for yourself. Yes. So these are all very important things in a relationship, because, especially as women, because, you know, you think, I don't know, I think we're conditioned to just kind of accept things as they are, like, even if it's not fair. Oh, absolutely agree. So yeah. you have to be able to advocate yourself without being, you know, like, you know, like, yeah. hey, you're stepping on my toes or that's a boundary you're crossing or, yes. yeah. Yes. They might not even know they're doing it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And it's interesting, like my buddy Lance, like he's, he, and we met, we met 2000. Yeah. Uh, around 2000, 2001. I think I was already in the army when mm-hmm. I met Lance. But he's like definitely, he's someone like we connected very early on and we've always kind of connected at a very deep, but Lance is a very emotional person. Yeah. And like, open. Just, and, like, yeah. yeah. Very open. Um. And so, like, we connected early on. And he's been one of my best friends ever, you know, ever since, for yeah. sure. Um, and then, like, other than that, like, I even think, like, my, my friend Carlene is one mm. of my, like, favorite people in this entire world. Um, and and she's probably someone I talk to most about, like, things that really trouble me. Yeah. Because um, Lance, like, Lance, on another, you know, he's busy. You know, he has yeah, oh, yeah, his yeah. career and he's busy. And, and so, you know, it, it, it there's that, you know, a lot of. A lot of my friends now are married. A lot of them have children. You know, so that yeah. changes the dynamics of relationships yeah, too. Oh, yeah. But that's the... Okay, so this is the also number one thing that like has come up recently for mm-hmm. us is that um, for the listeners who don't know, Tilo works in Washington, D.C. now. So he doesn't yeah. come home until like the weekend and it's not even every weekend, right? No, and yeah. like... Um, you only have so much time together. Yeah. Sometimes you don't want to spoil it by talking about important things because it might shake of course the not. dynamic or something. Yeah. But also, even if you do see each other every single day, because you get into a routine and things need to get done, yeah. sometimes couples fall into this thing where they don't really see each other. I mean, like genuinely look into each other's eyes and see, does the other person look beat down? Yes. Does Does the other person um, need to say something, but they can't? Are they struggling? And really being curious about that. Yeah. Um, really seeing each other. Um, and that's something that we had to kind of practice. Yeah. You know, instead of like, I got this, I'm going here, you do this, blah, blah, blah. You know, kind of sharing the workload of a household. It's very, whether you're, it's a friendship or a relationship, I, I just think people need to practice seeing each other more. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. 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 That, oh, that's interesting. I like... So, did did you come to that realization or did it take a third party to come to that realization? No, I think it was just kind of... We hit a bump and I was trying to figure out what was wrong and I didn't mm-hmm. feel seen, you know? Okay. And he's like, I see you. And I was like, no, you haven't taken the time to look today in my eyes and like see how happy I am to see you or that I really need a hug or, you know, so... I mean, I can only speak from my perspective, you know, Yeah. and with him being a silent Bob, sometimes I pick up that he's suffering before he knows it. Yes. And it's, 
it's hard for me to give him space to figure it out before he tells me. Yes. I'll just assume that it's all me and everything's wrong and my life is over. And, like, it's like not. And I assume that me and him are probably similar in that way too. Really? Because I'm definitely not. It takes me, which is something I'm, I'm, I've worked on. Yeah. Over time. Um, I'm not one. And it's funny because like I have a friend, uh, Jennifer. And she always, like, she'll ask me how I am. And, and it's, I very rarely complain. Oh, right. It's very rare to hear. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that, you know? But it, it's one of those things that, like, if something is truly bothering me, it takes me a while to be able to even, like, kind of formulate that. Or pinpoint to, what it might be. To, no, I usually know what it is. Oh, oh okay. no. I just, like, you know, um, because I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people who definitely, things very easily roll off me. Okay. So if it's something that sticks with me, um, I know why. <laughs> right. I know exactly why. Yeah. And it's, you know, and it's, um, and I think this kind of goes to my, kind of what I was alluding, to, talking about earlier with my background in the military. Because, like, um, the dynamics of my personality can be really strange to myself because I tell I'm telling be very even killed. Uh, but if I get ag- like truly agitated, mm-hmm. it, it's really it, like, it, it really, I really want to lash out. Like I feel it. Like I, Oh, it's I, in your body. Oh, it's I trapped. Feel and you need it. To get it out. Yeah. And it's one of those things. And it's funny cause I was having a, a conversation with a coworker recently and, and I have a very expressive face. Oh yeah. And she comments, <laughs> she goes, you know, if you don't like someone, it's very apparent. Oh. And I'm like, I, I, I've worked on that. Like, you know, it's just something that I can't, it's like, I feel like I can't even control that. Right. Like, it's one of those things like, cause I, I just like, if I don't like you, it's like, I feel in my bones, you know, like yeah. I've been, you know, if I'm around someone I really don't like, it's, you know, it takes about three seconds to know. And, and it's, and that's, that's troublesome in a professional atmosphere. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's, but it's, it's one of those things I'm just like. I'll smile. And, was, and she made a comment. She goes, we were in a meeting once and I was trying to like, yeah. <laughs> like the atmosphere. And she goes, I looked over and you were just like, fuck this. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like, you know, like the look on my face. And it's something I work on for sure. But it's tough. I mean, it's even my personal life. If I, if it's someone I don't like, like you, I mean, in my personal, I'll tell you, right? Well, oh, and that's my problem in my professional life with all these organizations. Like, if there's something wrong, I will tell you. And a lot of times these people do not like to hear that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I will say it kindly, you know, but still, they don't want any opposition. Which is, yeah. Yeah, Which is unfortunate. Yeah, I think it's hard for people to take criticism, you know? And and it's, you know, and for me, it's one of those things. Because I think sometimes it's not even something that's, like, warranted. Oh, right. right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? It's not like you've done something. No, but it's but like it's a dog like, that knows, like, yes. ooh, stranger danger, yucky. <laughs> right. Yeah, my dog does that. And 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 sometimes it just takes me a, a while to warm up. And I've learned that sometimes it takes me a, a while to warm up to people. Oh. And then once I, I think once I figure people out a bit, a bit better, I'm like, okay. Even <laughs> if I'm ambivalent, like that's way better. Yeah. And what what you know, so I'm like, okay, I'm ambivalent. Oh fuck, whatever. And I <laughs> and I could deal with it better. Um and so for me it's like one of those things. And I think like even so I like for a while I was dating a therapist. Oh. And this became an issue in our relationship. Yeah. Because she liked to have these deep, deep hearted conversations. Me too. Yeah. And I felt like to and I, I and like and this is also something I've kind of worked 
on in myself over time because I felt like like I felt like she was talking to me like a therapist. Oh, you know, and that to me made me very. I've, I've gotten that complaint from you, you know, yeah, and 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 but that's her, you know, I because and she had this thing she would do where she kind of oh moved, no, and I'm like, do you do it with your patients? Is that the face you make? How is so pissed? Uh, don't I'm like, don't talk to me. Like, like I'm paying you for like I'm paying you money. Don't do that. And she's like, I'm not. I just wanna and I'm like, no. And then obviously communication stops. Yeah. And that was, you know, and that when communication stops, I would say communicate if you don't have a communication, you don't have a relationship. Right. That's just done. And now and 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 looking back on it, that was purely my fault. You know, it was, it was oh. my hang up. Oh, you know, it was my because you up. perceived it that way. Yes, it oh. wasn't her. I don't, and I still, I now looking back, I'm like, it wasn't her. It was my hang up. Oh. You know, and such, and and so it's it's you know, it's one of those things I'm I'm much more conscious of. So I'm much more conscious of trying to be more transparent. Yeah. Oh, because because nobody can read your mind. No matter. I mean, right. we've been in a relationship for ten years, and that's not going to happen. Yes. Um, but I want to talk about sexy time in this. <laughs> in this context. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, I feel like the guys that I've known, I can't generalize, but they can go from 1 to 100 in no time flat. Like, there's yeah. there's a switch that flips on, and it's very hard to flip it off. Like, once they're in that mode, unless you mention their grandmother or something like that, they are in that mode. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I feel like women... God, preheat the oven before you oh, put in the sure. loaf of bread, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, so here's the thing, is like, if... My problem was I wasn't feeling seen, right? Yeah. And if I'm only hearing negative feedback of what's wrong, I'm constantly thinking what's lacking in me, especially, and this is my hang up. I really put him on a pedestal. So I'm like, yeah. what is this guy doing with me? You know, yeah. so I'm like, what could he see in me? And then you hear the things that you hear in your ears are like what he's frustrated with. It's really hard to kind of relax. Yes. Or as I say, unclench your butt cheeks yes. enough to go into sexy mode, yes. you know, and, and be open to that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when there's this natural lag, I think, you know, if there's ever a guy that feels unmotivated to like do the work of seeing or checking in with their partner, like yeah. that's one, there's a carrot for you that you can chase is that like, she's much more likely to be in the space to, you know, be physical Yes. You know, if she feels like you really do see her and that you're kind of bringing, you know, that's the thing you can't, when you see somebody, you can't ignore them. Right. right. So if you see they're struggling or you see that they're not there yet, you wait for them. Yes. Right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, right. so yeah, like it, it all kind of ties together. And I, I think men tend to compartmentalize sex. They're just like, oh, it's either, you know, like, mm-hmm. like it, what does that have to do with anything else? And yes. we're, we're like, it's all connected. It, oh, yes. Yeah. It's, it's all connected. It's all connected. <laughs> Yeah. Why the guy be connected? Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I dig that. I well, dig that. I, I bring that up, and that—that's why I, that. I divorced from my first husband because we didn't have a physical relationship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And even though we're really, really good friends now, um, yeah. I don't think Tilo feels threatened that you know anything is going to happen gonna, yeah. with us. You know, yeah. when we go to dinner and he's not here, yeah. um, and that—that's okay. Oh, for sure, yeah. for sure. Oh, that's that's wonderful. I didn't know he was in Washington. That's that's Washington that's, D.C. Yeah, that's where we talked about me moving out to Washington D.C. Yeah. But he travels so much for work that I'd just be sitting there by myself. Still, yeah, and yeah. it's not with all the stuff that I was going through with my family. I'm not going to uproot myself yes. and yeah. you know take myself away from my support and go to a place where there's not as many jobs you right. know for and me it's to expensive do. Expensive out there too. Is it really? Yeah, I mean he's in Virginia, but still. oh okay, yeah, I was yeah. gonna say DC is, is yeah. expensive. Yeah, 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 that's I've, true. I've heard a story. Actually, I have a colleague 
who worked for um, Obama when he was a senator. Oh, yeah. And he tells these amazing, one, amazing funny stories about working for Obama, but then also, like, kind of what it's like working as a congressional staffer. Oh. Um, and basically getting paid peanuts. Yeah. And then, like, you know. Having to try to make it. <laughs> I yeah. was great. And, um, and he, yeah, and it, you know, and, and, and he was telling me just these interesting stories that relate to, like, money and such. Oh, but yeah. one thing he told me, um, that I thought was interesting was he was like, you know, you have these dinners. Hmm. He goes and, and, you know, like if, if staffers are offered tickets to go or like who wants to go, mm-hmm. he's like, you know, they kind of, he's like, we like scratch and claw for that. Oh, yeah. Because you get to eat good. You know, it's, it's a matter of like eating real food right. versus ramen. He's like, so yeah, he's exactly. So like, give me one of damn tickets. I'll go. Yeah. He goes, because you go just to eat the food. He said, yeah. you see that. And he was a, a senatorial staffer. So he said to representatives. Their people were like, get paid less. Wow. And he said, so this is like, you know, desolate wasteland over there. And he said, they, you know, all living basically as dorm mates in like a, you know, a townhouse, like all living together. Yeah. And I was just like, man. Yeah. It's rough, man. You know, for all the money flowing through that town. Yeah. (laughs) It's not trickling. Trickle down economics don't work. And I know people who can prove it. You know what I'm saying? Like, no. So let me see something else. So yeah. you brought this up. Yeah. You, you want to talk about unions? Oh, well, was that, that was a great segue, actually. Being paid peanuts. Being paid peanuts. Right? Yes. Um, so <clears throat> I, I just think, especially hanging around so many Europeans in like my industry and having a husband from Europe, you know, um, I really think that American capitalism today mm-hmm. is dependent on much of the public believing that there's not enough to go around you know and i i don't mm-hmm. think that that's true like i mean honestly i don't, i really don't care how much profit somebody makes if you want to make bajillion dollars fine but my thing is is like everybody who works like 40 hours should be able to survive on that comfortably mm-hmm. they should be able to participate in society without feeling like such a a, a burden on their shoulders financially mm-hmm. right so when I hear like the Chicago Symphony was on strike okay. and some people uh, were saying like, oh, I don't I don't know how I feel because I um, those musicians make a lot of money. They make six figures, blah, blah, blah. Like, where's the money going to come from? It's like, hey, boo boo. Do you know what management makes? Like the money is there, but the discrepancy between the one percent and the rest of us is like it's staggering, you know, so it's it's not that the money isn't there. It's like how much profit is sufficient for the people making profit. You're okay. I mean, you're adjusting no. the mic. So I was like, I'm not. No, you're yeah. totally okay. No, I yeah. just don't. No, I just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 you're fine. And um, so for people who don't know, because not all my listeners, I love this. Not all my listeners are in Chicago. Oh, <laughs> I lovely. Know, I know. I had someone download in Vermont. I don't know who you are, but I love you. I hope it's Bernie. I hope it's Bernie. Yeah. <laughs> I love him. I didn't say that on Facebook because half my friends will stop listening. But, because half of them love Bernie, the other half hate Bernie, which is so interesting as to how I have these circles of friends. Um, but the CSO mm-hmm. was on strike. Yeah. How long were they on strike? What so the Chicago six, Symphony Orchestra. Yeah. I think it was six weeks that I think they went was, without a contract okay. and they were picketing outside. And I mean, yeah. it wasn't just like some, you know, fairy tale strike where they're just not playing. They were picketing outside. And I loved it. I, yeah. I, anytime I would go by, I would, you know, 
bring my I bring my bike bell because I was oh, yeah? <laughs> I'm like you guys are the best. I love you. And it was interesting. What I found most interesting about the strike mm-hmm. was that they're on strike, so they started doing community concerts right for free for free. Yeah. And so I live I live right across the street from a church. Okay. Uh, Apostolic oh, Church of Christ yes. here in Woodlawn. Yeah. They did a concert there, yep. and it was full. And it was oh, so the I was there to the brim. Yeah. Amazing. Um, what do, do you know how that came about or? Yeah. So basically, um, you know, a lot of people were, they were fighting for their pensions. Um, yes. and they were, they were trying to phase out the whole pension thing. And their argument was saying like, oh, nobody has a pension anymore, you know? So why should, why should we extend this to future members or why should we continue it? We, you should be able to put your money in the market and have the same kind of risk basically that everybody else does with their 401k or whatever. Yeah. So <laughs> I just love the face that you're making. Right. And, uh, honestly, a lot of the orchestra members held out because they were looking out for their younger colleagues. Yes. You know, um, uh, because they wanted them to have the same benefits. And yes. again, I, I what a socialist idea that everybody <laughs> else should have what you have, right? Yeah. Um, but it's it's based around this myth that yeah. like there's not enough to go around. And maybe in that organization, that's absolutely true. But in general, you can't tell me that you know Jeff Bezos of Amazon oh, does oh. not have enough profit to pay, Stop. make sure that everybody has health care that works for him. Do you? Yeah. I, I this is what angers me. Yeah. I, I was going to use a different example because here's one that hit home for yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, was in Springfield this weekend. Um, and if you've ever been to Springfield, it gives you a lot of time to think. <laughs> yeah, I've been. I, and I love, I, I'm a former history teacher. I geek out in Springfield. Yeah. I love Springfield. Awesome. I geek out. I go everywhere and I love it. I, this is the first time I've ever been there when it wasn't in session okay um and when there's no session going on it's a ghost town it's you know it's like college town it's not it's like a college right so it was you know quiet the businesses you know there's people who work there every day who do still work at the capitol but it's not like the manic crazy because especially when i was there there's people lobbying and so that brings a whole mm, nother yep. like 5,000 people yep. <laughs> out every day you know so it was great it was relaxing kind of get to enjoy the the relaxed atmosphere of this rural relative rural town um but i was reading so i was reading some articles and such and disney just oh that's right yeah performer cuts Mm -hmm. one of them was a music group that has been performing there for over 10 years it was an afro-cuban yeah um I can't remember the name of it for life of me. And and they were talking about all the performers that were being cut. And yep. they're either hiring novice performers, wow. you know, who are non-unionized. Yep. Um, or And it was kind of talking. To, and it was great because it was the Orlando Sentinel. And they did this great long article about the decisions, the ramifications, and and the reasons behind. Mm. And he made it a point that he says, you know, every year, Disney has obviously set a, a, a banner, a standard, that every year they want more money. We don't want to just break even what we made last year. We want to make more. So that's... At whose expense? So that's what prompts these cuts. And then, you know, he talked about, so they just released this Star Wars world, which only has two rides at it. And I haven't heard about it, honestly. And attendance is down. Yeah. And the least popular ride in the park is the new uh, Smuggler's Run. 
Yeah. It, it, well, it's not the least popular. They said, because they do their surveys, it doesn't crack top five favorite rides. It's like under and some janky stuff. It's and, under, and, <laughs> what's, what's the, like the oldest? Yeah, rickety is like, <laughs> like, yeah. the oldest thing under in the park. It, yeah. Oh, no, no. Which I've actually seen. Yeah. The Indiana Jones. Oh, that's right. Stunt okay. show. It, <laughs> Indiana who? Yeah. Right. And they were like, that's like, that show's been going since 85. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Which I've seen. I've actually seen that show. Uh, yeah, I have too. And, and and it rates below. Indiana Jones? Indiana Jones. Yeah. And so this is high tech. They spent millions of dollars on this thing. I, I've only, I, don't, I mean, I've only seen commercials. I don't know anything about it. But they were like, so they invested all this money in this park new park section new ride second ride is coming and i think like two three months and it's not working well and they're cutting all these performers on the kind of the back end and he was talking about how like he goes that's what we go for right you know that was kind of his he was like we go for the you know and i remember and it's funny because i i i kind of very snarkily commented but I, it, there was a, there was an edge of series. I don't know if you remember Future Core. Okay, yes. They performed at Epcot Center. Yes. They were like a little mini drum core. Yep. And they performed jazz mostly. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd march around sometimes, and sometimes they just stood and played. Right. You know? And I remember like uh, going on a band trip, seeing those guys for the first time, running up to them and be like, "How do I become you?" Yeah. And like, I'll never forget. One of the guys was like, "Well, I marched with Madison Scouts." One guy's like, "I marched with Santa Clara Vanguard," and he was like, "You know." That's a great way to get to where we are. Right, right, you know? right. And I was like, I'm in. I'm going to fuck. And that's one of the things that eventually, I mean, what, three years later, I ended up trying out for my first drum corps, you know, yeah. was was wanting to do that. And then when that disappeared, I remember, you know, kind of snarkily, I was like, then they got rid of Future Core. They, they didn't get no, no more of my money. But I, that's kind of true. Well, but people don't go for these automated, artificial, intelligent experience. Exactly. Right? It's. I mean, there, what, where was the study? I, I can't even quote it. But like, basically, that people, um, even if you make eye contact and kind of give them the sup nod as you're walking down the street, like those kind of connections, like are so positive as far as like your well-being and community atmosphere and the fact that it's so touchable at people Disney. People want to be recognized. They want to be right, and they want to be. You said they want, they want to be, be seen. seen, and yeah, and it, it that's what it is. And if you're seen by somebody that you're, you know, like that you're idolizing at yes. the moment, like yes. a lot of my vocalist friends wanted to be part of the Voices of Liberty. I was, oh, that's yeah. the name. I was gonna, I was gonna say yes, the Voices of Liberty. Yeah. They wore the red, white, and blue. They yeah. dressed up and they sang, and, and it was amazing. The little kids want to be the Disney princesses that are in costume. It's yes. not the. It's not the things, you know, it's the interactions. It's how you feel, you know, Um, and, you know, automating that. And they were talking about artificial intelligence things like in the park, like that's not going to replace it. That warmth isn't there. Yeah. And, you know, that's. Well, and let me, I told you, I did an internship there in 97, right? And that they're known for their guest experience. Like there's number one. I mean, like people will, that's why you put it on your resume because they know that you've been trained to give this high level of guest experience. And, you know, you're taught to be incredibly patient. People go on vacation, they leave their brains at home and they might ask you, ma'am, when's the three o'clock parade? And in your, you just have to look at them, not like, hey, dumbass. You just have yeah. to look at them kindly and say, ma'am, the three o'clock parade is at three o'clock. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, and 
But that's, but that's why it's the happiest place on earth. Yes. Because nobody's going to call you a dumbass. Oh, my gosh. And I did a couple workshops. There. I did a, a show choir workshop there. Mm. Um, and then we did a workshop there when I was in band. You know, like, get to go behind the scenes mm. and meet musicians. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget, I met this guy. He played piano in one of the restaurants. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. The hotel. What's the main hotel there? The Grand. Oh, the Grand. I don't know. So I he forget. played piano there. Mm-hmm. And he was like... Basically explain what his life was like. And he's like, I live here on the Disney Resort. Mm-hmm. You know, I work X amount of days. I get X amount of days off. He goes, I get to play piano for people who come from all over the world. And they, you know, he's like, you know, sometimes they just want to shake my hand. Sometimes they want to take pictures. Sometimes yeah. they just want to sit there and listen. He goes, I've literally seen people sit from the sun comes up. They walk in. They sit in a chair. And when that sun goes down, that dude is still there listening to music right and like that is what you i mean you go for the fun and the ride right but those connections well and there's somewhere there's decisions being made in a boardroom right or like a stuffy office and you know they think well why do we need live musicians when we can pipe it through or we can just hire you know like the johnny's nephew down the street they're not union they don't like you get what you pay for you get what you pay for you get what you pay for and like um, do you ever come to my acapella concert? You did. You came to the acapella concert like in the winter, right after Christmas. At Fourth Press. At Fourth Press. Yes, of course. Like, yes. So yes. like, I think that's, especially acapella vocal music, like there's something that a recording cannot do. Like, I, I don't know if it's just the vibrations in the room, the way it hits the walls and back into your ears, but like it reduces people to tears. Yeah, Like it's sure. a different. It's different experience it's totally different so like to have a non-musician make these decisions when they can't tell crap on a platter from like really good quality stuff you know it's it's just not and there's yeah and um, you know i because my performance experiences are relatively limited you know um but i you know I, i equate it to like uh so drum corps is something I love. I love watching. Yeah, I love yeah, seeing. Yeah. But like the energy level. Yes, but seeing it on I, and I watched it on TV this year. Like I went to the movie theater, mm-hmm. but seeing it live. Me and my friends went to Northern. Oh, and seeing it live. There's just something about it. Oh, you just get and chills on your. You get chills. Yeah. You feel it. It, it. it hits you in a completely different way. Yeah, it's one of the things you can't explain to someone who hasn't seen it. Like I have my friends who are like, oh, I would love to see that. I'm like, you have to see it. Yeah, because if you like this on the computer, you like this on TV live you're gonna lose your fucking mind right you know? exactly and and that's but that's true for any kind of live music or performance or dance the, even yes going to see the cso going to see the ballet and seeing it in person mm. is just it's different yeah and it's it's sad and, and you know and here's the thing again and i i so i i taught i never i've never taught economics but i you know obviously i've taught government and such and uh, social studies and i've always told my students whether their parents liked it or not, I'm like, capitalism is a motherfucker. Mm. Capital, and I've always described capitalism as a beast. Mm-hmm. It has to be fed constantly. Mm. It, it's it's the culture within it, right? It's uh. It's been created to mm-hmm. be hungry. Right. And so it wants to be fed. So now, you, now we're in this position where the biggest corporations that have ever existed are all coexisting now. And they're all hungry. And the beast that has been bred through throughout our country's history only has one nature, and that's to be fed. Right. And it only understands to be fed more. Right? Mm. It's, I'm hungrier. Right, I want right, right. And it's and it's sad to see because it we 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 
we continue we continually propagate it. You know, we, yeah. we keep it going, and it's one of those things that you bring up Jeff Bezos, perfect example. Um, and you know, me and my friends talk about this all the time. I'm like, look, look, because this is my perspective. I don't want to tell someone don't be rich. Oh no, of course not. Yeah, but there has to me there has to be a moment, and I and I think there should be a moment. I think this should be like a law, in my personal opinion, yeah, yeah. that you hit a certain amount of money, a distance right. between how much you make and how much your lowest paid worker makes. What the when the, the government is like, no, 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 bro, you everything above this threshold, you breaking off. Right. Well, I, I don't know if I agree with that. My thing okay. is, I don't care. Sky's the limit as much as profit, profit you want to make. However, you should it should never be at the expense of people. Okay. okay. You know what I mean? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? If you want your two bajillion dollars, have your two bajillion dollars, but every single one of your employees is not going to be manipulated into taking a part-time position so you don't have to provide health care. Exactly. Like, that's that's not okay. Okay. And, and yeah. I think that's what I'm, I'm trying to yeah, yeah, really. yeah. Like, right. If you're making... Billions, mm, yeah, billion with S. What are you gonna do of with it? dollars? What for what? You shouldn't have people on Medicare. Exactly. You should. You should no, have, no, no, no. You no, should no, have no. people working three jobs. Like, wait a minute, bro. Cut off one of your billions and and pay them that money. Right. You could. And you know what? I always equate this to. Um, years ago, I um, I had a friend. He was very politically active. One of the people who kind of motivated me to get politically active, and he sent me to a event and it was uh out in like Wheaton Joliet area mm. but at the time uh-huh. it was tomato pickers okay and they were here doing like a little like like uh, presentation mm. about because they were they were in the middle of a strike coming off a strike entering another strike mm-hmm. so these tomato pickers, which eventually became the coalition of Immokalee workers which eventually they, they unionized the CIW but at the time, they had just come off a, I think it was a four-year strike mm. of Taco, Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. So for four years, they picketed, they struck, you know, they they organized. Uh, so for the tomato picking, they were getting paid a penny per pound. What? For the tomatoes, one bucket is thirty-two pounds. I'm if I'm remembering this directly, uh, correctly. And then each worker would do around a ton of tomatoes a day, right? So we're talking from like. 4 a.m. to like 9 p.m. working, like okay. days, and literally getting paid $200, not even mm-hmm. like way less than that, right? And so, they is my math right? Do I, I, do, do, I don't know, I'm like, no, but it would like, like, pennies, you know, yeah. like dollars, yeah, do, dollar, you know. And so, they uh, and then they actually had a, a young a worker who was actually beaten to death. By a contract. So they, they work for contractors. The contractors are contracted from the corporation. Yeah. So they actually had an instance where a young man was beaten to death. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of motivated them to organize uh, seriously. So they went to Taco Bell and said, we want um, more money. Mm-hmm. And then they basically said, we want another another penny per pound, which would double their pay. Right, right, right. You know, and, and literally double their pay. And so Taco Bell was like, fuck y'all, no. So they boycotted and picketed and everything um for for four years and then taco bell acquiesced so then they say you know what we need to go to the big the biggest of the big so they went for taco for uh mcdonald's mm-hmm. so that's what brought them to chicago so to illinois oh, right. oak because oak brook right and so this worker came and i'll never forget he brought he was he didn't speak english he had an interpreter he had this orange bucket and he had hands that were the same color as your 
purse here. Black. Black. Because of the pesticide. Oh. And it changes the color of your skin. Wow. And turns it this like black color. And so he explained that. Explained like, you know, what they how they work, working out in the sun. Um, the the treatment that some of the workers receive from some of the contractors that that are really aren't the, the most honest people and how little they get paid to do all this and they have a website like all this is yeah, now yeah of course you know you can go and look up now and so he you know they were or they were trying to get people here in Illinois to help them organize a a, a, a march yeah yeah and and a boycott and a you know such strike of McDonald's. So they, they petitioned, they went to McDonald's and said, this is what we want and we want a bill of rights from mm-hmm. you for your contracts to follow. Right? And McDonald's was like, no. What? So then they estimated that what they were asking for McDonald's was going to be approximately, if I, my memory search, it was between $100,000 and $150,000. That's how much they're asking the company to spend to give them what they want. And McDonald's was like, no. So then McDonald's hired two PR people and they were paying them a combination of $250,000. Right. Just to, to- to explain why these people with orange and red buckets are marching around their McDonald's. So the, so finally, they organized. They said, we're going to have this mass protest. We're coming to Chicago. And the plan was to go to Oak Brook mm. and then go downtown and march around the rock and roll McDonald's. Right. So McDonald's is like, no, no, no. And then they, they get the bus. They got a bunch of buses. Mm. And so then by this point, Tom Morello has hopped on board. Um, so after the march, let's go to Federal Plaza. I'll play a concert. Mm-hmm. Zach De La Roca hops on. And then all these like kind of other performers and other people signing on. Like, we fully support. So then when those buses, by the time they left, so Michael's in Florida. By the time they those buses left Florida, McDonald's was like, okay, we quit. Yeah. <laughs> I, we're, you know, we give you what you want. So when by the time they got to Chicago, they had signed a deal. McDonald's okay, was like, "We good. give you the money, we'll give you the bill of rights, just you know whatever." So the mayor, not Mayor Daly, then changed. He asked them to change the 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 the, the, the now a victory rally, right, right, which is right. supposed to be in Federal Plaza. He asked them to have it indoors. So they said, sure. So the House of Blues hosted wow. this victory rally. So because I helped, and all I did was like literally hand out flyers like the week before. It was yeah. like literally hand out flyers to people, whatever. I got a ticket to go to this victory yeah. rally. So it was really interesting because uh, Rebel Diaz, who is a, a Chicago rap group, mm. really, uh, really uh, heavy social justice background. Yeah, okay. You know, I've seen them work, you know, doing social justice work and activism for years, you mm-hmm. know, as this performance ensemble um they were there all these different groups but then the highlight of it was so tom morello comes out and you know solo as the watchman and mm. you know union songs so these yeah, hardcore yeah, yeah. union songs all these tomato pickers are in house of blues buckets over you know over wow. their head in the air and he's doing his songs then zach de la roca so the singer of raging as machine comes out wow. and he's like yo i'm sorry i'm late my plane got here late i got hell you know blah blah he's like i came to support and so he drops like a couple poems wow like the place is going crazy and he's like and, and i don't know you know what their relationship was at the time but then they're like you know what and we're gonna do a couple songs so they played which to this day amazes me they played three acoustic wow. Rage Against the Machine songs. Wow. So Zach and Tom on acoustic guitar. Like, if we were losing their mind. Yeah. <laughs> like, losing their minds. You would have thought it was the full band. Wow. You know, people like, people jumping buckets in the air. Woo. These huge tomato signs. That's so nice. Bulls on Parade. So he did People of the Sun. Uh, oh, and Bulls on Parade was the last song. And they did one in between those. 
and I'll never forget. Like, wow, it was just like, oh my god, and craziness. And so I remember that. But you know, everything at McDonald's, and then so they actually moved from McDonald's to Burger King. They moved from Burger King to Publix. Okay, and so this has been a you know kind ongoing of thing. ongoing thing over the years. Next on the list, yeah, um, right. And but it's one of those things that one of the richest companies in the world can't cough up two hundred thousand dollars to give people a living wage which is still to probably still below a living wage technically right but to give people just enough money to live right that disgusts me so badly and but that's become so normal and it shouldn't be because what company doesn't do it well okay you and i would not feel good about pocketing money at the expense of somebody else right and I don't know if their wealth creates enough of an existence gap where they don't have to see these people. You think Jeff Bezos don't know his people are... are... But <laughs> where he lives, does he have to deal with it? Is it he, in his face? He doesn't have to see it. Yeah. Maybe it's just in the back of the filing cabinet in his head and he doesn't have to think about it. Uh, okay. It's filed away. And I think, is that the reason for it? I mean, because there was a study done that like past $70,000 a year, your happiness doesn't skyrocket. Doesn't skyrocket. Yeah. No. I mean... And like I said, people just want their basic needs taken care of. They want to be able to afford, um, you know, to live and to participate in society without feeling a huge financial burden. And I, I just don't, I don't care how much profit you make, but you can't be disconnected from the fact that it's at somebody's expense. So when people are just like, well, I mean, think about all the people who have the talking points, right? Their talking points are like, well, if the, if there's no incentive for business owners to like make profit, then how are they going to like make jobs and stuff? You have to think about why they need you to believe that. Yes. Why do they need you to believe that a Mexican illegal immigrant is taking your job, a potential job away from you? <laughs> why do they need you to believe that there's a scarcity of money and that if you don't participate in this thing that puts profit in their pocket, that you're, you're not going to be able to get a job Anyway, you know, like, why do they need you to believe that? They need you to believe that so that they can line their pockets, you know, even more. Maybe different for mom and pop shops, like, you know, that are more local. But for major corporations, you know, we're talking millions, billions of dollars. Like, yeah, it, it should never be at the expense of people. Yes. I, and I, I'm looking at my phone while you're talking. No, that's fine. And, and I mean, no, no disrespect. I always and, assume positive. And I'm intent. right. And I'm because I've, I've, I've heard this before and I'm trying to see I'm trying to look it up to see if I can find something saying whether it's uh, true or not. Um, uh, so, and, and, and I know like, have you ever seen the movie Capitalism, A Love Story? No. See it. I'm going to go do that. It's a, it's a Michael Moore movie. Okay. I actually saw it, uh, premiere here in Chicago he was there hmm. so I've actually met Michael Moore I met him at a movie premiere for the capitalism of love story it's a movie about this concept it's about capitalism right, literally right. it's about capitalism and so uh, this is not in the movie but I know one of the things that this company so I'm thinking of Ben and Jerry's okay they pride themselves on paying their workers a livable wage yeah so Ben and Jerry's originates out of Vermont um, in Vermont they pay 
16, 25 an hour minimum. Okay. Which is higher than the national average. I don't know how that relates to cost of living in Vermont right. for the life of me. I and I know that I know this came up because when I was looking for a job and when I left CPS. Yeah. When I left CPS, I had no job. Most people don't know that. I had no job prospects. I walked. I was like, look, I'm out. My my position was cut anyway. Yeah. So I would have been out anyway. Yeah. But I was like, look, I'm out of this motherfucker. Mm-hmm. I'm out, you know, and so um, I ended up getting a job at Nordstrom, but at the time, someone had suggested go get a job at Ben and Jerry's while you're waiting. I was like, why Ben and Jerry's? They were like they pay like here in Chicago, and I think I don't know if it's the same, but they someone was like they pay around fifty dollars an hour, something like that. I'm like, oh, so scoop ice cream at Navy Pier? I'm I'm down, like right. you know. And so that was the thing. And so um, here's an article, and it this is from 2011, and I know I'd heard this, and it's not true. Still today. But once upon a time, Ben and Jerry had a, a five to one rule limiting the pay of its CEO. Oh. So they can only get paid five times as much as the lowest paid thing. So that actually capped them at eighty one thousand dollars okay. for the CEOs. Uh, five to one rule limiting the pay of its CEO to the company's lowest paid worker. That was eighty one thousand. It required the CEO to raise the pay of his employees to create a pay raise for himself. They abandoned that rule in nineteen ninety four. So this goes back to, to okay. the nineties when the company couldn't find anyone to replace Ben Cohen oh, upon his to do the job. Yeah, to do job right there. Everybody was like, "How much you been? So then they raised it. So during the nineties, they raised it to a five to one rule, which took the CEO salary to one hundred fifty thousand. In 2000, it was at a 17 to 1 rule. So that put the CEO at $504,840. Just to stay competitive. Not including stock options. Right. Um, and then at that point, they got bought out by a corporation. The board of directors no longer discloses this compensation either. The compensation of the current CEO is now a secret. So this was written in 2011. 11. So this is old, 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 right? Um, but actually in the movie, in the capitalism of love story, there are some examples of companies that do that, that have mm-hmm. that. And that's kind of what I mean. Like it's to me, there's, there should be a certain point Yeah. where like, if you're getting paid, I mean, I just can't, I can't imagine making a million dollars. I certainly can't. I can't imagine having $10 million. Can't imagine having, I've, I mean, the most I think I've ever had in my life might be 5,000. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, like, I know. I can't imagine. So I can't imagine being like. Having ten billion dollars and being like, shit, this ain't enough. <laughs> right, it's not what, enough for what? What are you doing with your life? And it, it, it disgusts me. But you need to watch that movie because in Capitalism: A Love Story, they kind of address this. Mm. And um, yeah, it's one of those things. And I, you know, I think part of like we we have so many issues with. And actually, I have another question for you that relates to this. But I think we have so many problems with our culture, oh, and especially yeah. our political culture. And I think one of the underlying issues is this. Greed? This 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 gap, right? Yeah. And it's interesting, I I don't remember who I where I was, but I I was reading I was listening to a a lecture, that's all I remember, and this gentleman was talking about the so he equated the fall of societies, um, other great civilizations to a point where the rich and the poor got too far apart. Yes. And so they they fall. He's like eventually the people at the bottom are like Fuck all this. And they either overthrow or they depart, right? And he kind of equates both, right? Whether one of the two, whether they, it falls apart. They can't keep control and the civilization falls. 
and I always wonder, like, where that breaking point is. Well, I I was always afraid that what would happen in India would happen here, where like the discrepancy between you know like the people who live like in grass huts that have like garbage liners on top, plus between that and the middle class would just happen. And I'm like, you have so many different examples around the world of, of the disparity of wealth. Yeah. Like why, why would you let it happen here? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and the, I don't know. I wouldn't feel there's so many times I've talked to Tilo about like moving out of the country and it, it you know, and people say, Oh, that's un American. And this is the greatest country on earth. And it, it was, it really was. Was. Yeah. It's a key word. It really was. was you know, but like um, at this point in time, you know, to be, to kind of disregard each other. And I, I'm not like a, like a socialist or communist or anything like that, but it's like you, you can't leave your fellow human being behind. And so when you see how um, political parties are trying to divide the races, yeah. you know, that's all on purpose, yeah, you know, sure. so that there is a sense of other, that's not us, that's them, yeah. you know, and who cares what happens to them? Yeah. yeah we're all, you know, I don't know, the beiger we get <laughs> by yeah. interbreeding, you know, it's like, we're all, yeah. doesn't matter. We're all one, you and know, that, like, yeah, that's the thing that gets me. Um, like I was like, I'm always fascinated and just horrified uh, particularly with black people who who have issues with like who who fall on the Republican side of the immigration issue. My mom's a Republican. It enrages me. <laughs> My mom's not. <laughs> but it 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 astounds you know it astounds me. I'm like wait 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 let me let me get this straight. Like this is how I see. It. I'm like wait wait wait. So someone's telling you mm. as a black person in America like okay so here's the problem those people over there are the real problem, right? So if you help us get them out, because they're taking your jobs, they're taking your benefits, they're taking, right? And they're taking all these things from you. So if you, you know, if we get them out, things would be great. And it's like, you know, and I'm like, what? Right. Like suddenly like, like, and you know, and what it gives me is I'm like, so like, let's say we are able to get, let's, I'll just say Mexicans because that right mm-hmm. below the board. Let's say we get all the Mexicans out. Is this something going to be like all the white people going to be like, oh, God, so we actually really like you. We were just really mean to you because we want them. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> but gosh. Now we're all equal. Well, if, I'm like, no, no, bro. If all the Mexicans are gone, now you are, the focus is now back on you. Yeah. Right? And it's the same thing in capitalism. It's like, who needs you to believe that who, and why? Yes. Absolutely. Who needs you to believe that and yeah, absolutely. why? Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it astounds me. And I'm like, you know, and, 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 and I have that issue with a lot of things. It's like. To me, it even sounds to me like black people who are homophobic. Oh. I'm like, you got the balls to be talking about somebody else. You're right, 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 right. Trying to, try to put somebody else like, oh, you're weird. You're the outside. Get the fuck out of here, bro. Right, right, you're right. like three. You know what I'm saying? You're like a generation from chains. So you behave yourself, right? right you right, need right, to right. be friends with everybody. Right. <laughs> of, of all the people who should understand how to be open and forgiving and accepting, it should be you. your black ass. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. You know, and it, it just, it astounds me. And, um, yeah. I have a funny story. So, um, when we were at Western, uh, there was a vocal competition up here in Chicago and I let, um, I, I had, uh, three other friends stay at my parents' house, three boys. So you can imagine how 
upset my family might have been. <laughs> and they were all over six feet tall. My dad was only five foot one. Scandalous. So, so they opened the door and there's like these giant white people at the, at the white men at the door. Um, and it was fine. But one of my friends uh, was gay, you know, and um, my mom was getting nervous because we spent uh, a long time talking in the evening before I finally went to bed. And so she's like, Bina, Bina, come here. You and Steve are loving each other? And I was like, yes, we love each other. Like, he's my best friend. Yeah. No, 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 no. You and Steve, uh, you, are, you are, you know, in love? And I was like, mom, I love him like my brother. <laughs> no, Bina. You and Steve. I was like, mom, <laughs> Steve's gay. And oh. she said, that is not nice thing to say about other people. <laughs> yes. Major cultural and generational yes. gap, in, but yeah. and what, I love your your impersonation of your mom. Well, that's how she said. And it. I've, I've I've only met her. I met her at the at the wedding. Oh my goodness! I met her at the wedding. Yeah. Like I thought she she was nice to me. She said hello. Yeah. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um. So actually, uh, so and and this relates to the presidential election that's approaching us. Mm-hmm. So are you familiar with the UBI Andrew Yang's? Oh yeah yeah. Approach? So the universal basic income. Mm-hmm. So what's your thoughts on on that? Because I think for Andrew Yang, and I don't mm-hmm. know much about him. I don't know how much money he actually makes. Uh, to him, I think this is his his approach to the same problem. Okay. Right? I agree with it. Okay. Because uh, in principle, in the sense that like we are at a point where the income gap is there's such a disparity that i i think it would be fair but realistically speaking to get people from how they already think at this point in time to that point i think is too far of a bridge to gap right now okay before 2020 okay that's what i think okay you know and i'm i'm not you know and a lot of people be like you want money you got to work for it yes i i agree you know what i mean but uh, there has uh, I'll be honest. So yesterday, I have a lot of side gigs. I was asked to proofread a resume. Yes. Okay. Um, was not by a minority. It was an older Caucasian lady's resume. And it, I mean, just the amount of spelling, formatting, and gram- grammatical errors. Like, I had to reword a lot of things for me to feel okay putting my name on it. That this is my work. Right? Yes. Anyway, I wasn't even asked to do those things. But still, like, there's a certain standard before I send it back yes. to the client. Okay. And I don't think that's what she was... Um, paying for she yeah. she just wanted it formatted in a certain way so it looked pretty but I was like oh honey you know no and I, I think that that in itself I mean she's not a minority she has an employment history and yet you know I don't understand as an employer if I was yes. looking at this resume it, it would immediately I would immediately toss it out if, if I had not edited it yes you yes. know so that in itself tells you what an income disparity does, Yo. even to the mainstream. Oh, yes, you know? for sure. So, but talk about, bring up reparations to anybody and see how they feel about that, mm. right? So when you talk about a universal basic income, you know, it's kind of like the same thing. You know, all of a sudden the people who are just a little bit more privileged said, oh, I'm going to work for everything, blah, blah, blah. Why does this person deserve it? You know, yes. it's too far of a gap yes. to get to in 2020. Yes. Even though it might be fair because we see the effects of what, uh, such a disparity does to the culture yes. as far as education and opportunities. Yeah. So this is where we we we'll put back the curtain for a minute. So in a, oh, I'm so sorry. No, you're fine. So in a so we are sitting at a card table. Yeah, and he just played footsie with me. And my and I played footsie with her. Her husband's in D.C. Mm-hmm. Oh, forgive me. Uh- <laughs> 
I'm single. I'm taking every every chance. I get. I'm taking every little poke I get. No, I'm, I'm so teasing. Um, I w- and and so in, in a in a real situation, I have a producer that if I need something researched or looked right, at, right, right, right. Right. no, we're but doing. But he's googling on. The I'm spot. googling on my spot on my phone because if I Google on the computer, it might stop recording. Right. Uh, so this is where we're working at life. Um, I was the first time I. I heard about universal basic income was on a podcast. Yeah. And I remember laughing. And then I remember telling people like, what do you guys think about this? And I remember them laughing. And I was like, and Andrew Yang, I'm pretty sure he's been, he's been pushing this idea for for a long time. time. And I was like, I think I was like, it's not, I think I thought it wasn't realistic. Like I now like just doing research kind of based around that. I know that there's money flowing through this month, you know, um, especially here in Chicago, um, there is a organization called City Lab, and they mm. focus a lot on city budget, and they talk a lot about all the money that's floating through the city that we kind of let go, like the money we just like, oh, we don't need that money, you know, those kind of things. Okay. And they talk about like the money we 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 let go, the bad deals that lose us oh my money, goodness, yeah, and then the places where we're just like, you know, flushing money down the toilet. So they talk about those situations, and if, even federally, there are a lot of those situations. Yeah. Um. And, and so two things that, that kind of came up, and I haven't read this article, but I know this was this article was posted in multiple places. So it was saying that under Bernie Sanders' plan, Jeff Bezos would pay $9 billion a year in wealth taxes, was, was an article posted by CNBC, right? Mm-hmm. So his wealth tax plan, I guess when you break it down... Um, so he's one of the guys that needs you to believe certain things in order to of keep that nine billion. Of course he is. Yeah, the dude is making. He makes more money than God. <laughs> God doesn't need money to That's make right. things happening. Uh, Jeff Bezos needs a lot. Obviously, he he can't make stuff happen on three billion. What is he um, compensating for? Right, but another <laughs> stop, stop. But another, um, and I hope this is the right article. I will definitely double check it. But I know I read this article. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's because the Economist has done a lot of articles on the self-driving car. And I think that's a disaster in terms of liability, but go ahead. Well, probably true. But, and this was what the article talked about. And this was where, and I'm almost certain that this is the right one. So this, this is the Economist. The name of the article is Autonomous Vehicles Are Just Around the Corner. March 1st of 2018. That sounds about right. But I'm, I, I got to double check it and I'll post it in the episode notes for sure. But basically in this article, they're talking about the the. So right now, if, if if I remember correctly, there are three about three companies who are racing to get self-driving cars on the road. Mm-hmm. And right now I know because, you know, in like the downtown buildings, they have the Captivate TVs now and all that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Captivate always has these weird things. So I know just based on <laughs> from stuff on Captivate that they are now testing self-driving trucks in Arizona. Okay. So you have the self-driving trucks, Google, Uber, Amazon, and I won't even say Lyft. Gooberzon. Huh? Gooberzon. <laughs> all merge. <laughs> but they're all fighting to try to get the first self-driving car. Yeah. I've heard, and I think they said within 15 to 20 years, but some people are saying it's, it's, it's close as 10. I've heard some people say it's even closer than that. Because there there have been self-driving cars who've yeah, logged like thousands and thousands of months. Yeah. Um, but one of them hit somebody, and so... Well, and I don't think that you need to give any motorists any other reasons to be distracted. Well, if a self-driving... Enable them. Well, there's a self-driving car, mm-hmm. you, you don't have to be... It's it. It's done, right? We're talking fully autonomous. So, in this article, 
they were talking about so what happens when the first self drive when self driving cars hit the road, and so basically the article was saying and let me see if I can if it's in this one I can find it, they were saying that basically it hits the road and right out the gate you've got okay so I don't think this is the article um so I'm gonna have to find it but they were saying basically it hits the road and right out the gate you got a couple million people who are out of jobs, truck drivers are now out of jobs um. People who work for uh, Department of Transportation, right? Toll booth operators, out of jobs. And then they were talking about cab drivers, straight out of jobs. Um, and then they were talking about, so you know, your Uber, Lyft drivers, oh. out of jobs. So as you automate things. You've automated cars. You don't need, right? Now, all these positions disappear. How do they support themselves? Within years. And so then they were saying, and so the article kind of took the next step, though. So this is where the experts are like, wait, wait, wait. We think that's it. No, no, no. Because now cars can drive themselves. That changes everything. So they're talking about now restaurants have to change their mode of, of service. So they were saying that like restaurants will become automated businesses. That's the next natural step. And they said some some businesses are you know investing in this technology on the side as investors so that when it happens, they already can be ready. Because now McDonald's doesn't need a drive-through and McDonald's doesn't need to be a standalone business that you drive to, walk in and get a burger. That is done. So now McDonald's comes to you or you send your Lyft to pick up your McDonald's and then it picks you up. Cars don't even half drive like steering wheels and forward facing seats. I don't know if you have you seen these pictures because it was an article saying like the self-driving car increases like car sex. Like it was like an onion article, but it had these conceptual pictures of what a car looked like. It'll be a table. And there'll be seats that face into the, like the seats that face into the center. Because now you can eat while you're driving to go see the opera or the descent, right? Everything changes in ways that we probably can't even imagine. However, all that is at the loss of jobs. So what happens when 10 million people lose their job in two years? 20 million. And what happens when the people in charge of all that money don't give a shit? And um, they really don't give a shit. About whether you survive or not. So maybe that's the downfall. Yeah, <laughs> that's the downfall of our society. Is yeah. that with maybe the it is in, but it's one of those things that like, and I, I love. I was I don't know if it's the correct term, thought experiments, but I love to just sit sometimes. Me too. And think about yeah, something, me too. You know, and think of all the like different instances, and I'm like, but what you know? So that was the moment when I I listened to what Andrew Yang said and said, you know what? Whether it happens now. Or happens in 10 years, he's absolutely right. It comes a day when you have to give people money just to exist. Because although because they're because they're gonna be people, you know, I mean, there are taxi drivers in their 60s and 70s who are gonna live another 10, 20 years. So when they lose their job, they're not going to get another job. Like then what does that do to capitalism? (laughs) What does it do to capitalism? I mean, can it get worse? Well, but then like the the hungriest that are like hoarding these billions of dollars. You know, and the people that don't have anything in their piggy banks, that that gap gets wider and wider. Oh, it's going to get exceptionally wide. Yeah. And then there's literally the haves and the haves-nots. Well, weird, yeah. Yeah. But then what? But, oh, and here's the thing, and then everything becomes charity, and this is what I don't like because, you know, we're, there are such good people still left in society. Yes. It's a double-edged sword because I've lived this in my employment history, and that's when something's broken. I was always the type of person to fix it without anybody knowing. Yeah. That was my superpower. Yeah. The problem is you keep doing that and the people up top don't know that anything's wrong. They don't invest the money to fix it. And it just 
becomes one person's burden. They get fed up and they quit and all of a sudden there's an issue, yes. right? That they finally all of a sudden notice because it's not being fixed. Not being fixed. Right? So now it it's the same thing. You know, it's like we're so charitable to each other and now what's happening in our culture with GoFundMe and like so, so-and-so, like insurance premiums are so high, you know, and so-and-so needs a treatment and we all kind of dig in our couch cushions, get the change and throw it there so that they can survive. But these things are being worked out of a major government budget so it's not being cared for the way it should be cared should for. Should be cared for. You know? Absolutely. So my thing is, I was a huge Bernie Sanders supporter in the last election. Yes. Okay, now I'm, I'm, my political party is Stop the Shit Show. So whatever um, will stop the shit show, if it's Bernie, Warren, whoever, you mm-hmm. know, Yang, I don't care. That's the, the number one priority. Thing is, is like, it was so hard and it is still hard for people to understand what Bernie was saying. And all he's saying is that there's a disparity of wealth. There's enough money to go around and nobody should have to suffer if pe- if businesses are profitable. Yes. I don't know what you can argue with on that. And, and now, if that's so hard for our culture to swallow at an election time when the shit is hitting the fan, yeah. you're talking about like a basic universal basic income yes. that's a wider gap that people are too nearsighted to see once it happens and they're Ooh. in an emergency yes Ooh. but so as much as i agree with you and i think yeah. it's fair or it's necessary it doesn't matter yeah yeah and you know so and and we can end on i don't have any other questions for you we can end on this um it's interesting though um because i'm always like and, you know, it's obviously a very cliche line, but mm-hmm. it's one of those things that you spend so much time wondering if you can do something. You never stop thinking, should we? You know, should we do this? Yeah, yeah. Should we, right? And and, I, and my firm belief is that a self-driving car should not be done. Simply, Mine too. Simply for how the, the shift in society will be too great for us to, to compensate for. That's my personal opinion, right? That's going to be too much too fast for society to shift to and so many people are going to suffer maybe it's a reality check that people need but then you're forced into but who a are you doing yeah. but on whose backs are we getting exactly. our reality i know because right? because i'm always in that i'm i'm not one of those people who believes who always believes i'm going to be on the top shelf right mm. it's you know i'm not always you know if there's a there's an earthquake. Everybody believes they're going to be the one who survives and, and gets... No. I'm going to be the motherfucker whose building collapses on him and, and that's it, right? I, I, I just try to humble myself. Me I can say humble yeah. myself enough to think that if we're if, if society has to just shift and some people have to suffer and on some backs we, we just got to roll over, I'm going to be one of those people, mm. right? Mm. You know, whether it's true or not, I, I just kind of... What if I am that person, mm. right? I don't want to be that person, so why would I want someone else to be that person? Exactly, kind of thing. Um, and, <laughs> but on the flip side, and I had this experience recently, and I think this to me kind of also this all it came up in my mind thinking about these. I think about these things a lot. I was at a uh, the cafe in the middle of nowhere. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So in the cafe, if you go to the ice cream bar, there's two red buttons. And I looked and there's they, they just two red buttons. And I stared at them for like two minutes. And I finally was like, and the kid, this kid was behind the counter. He was looking at me. And I said, what happens if I hit the red buttons? He goes, nothing. He goes, they used to trigger t- two videos on his TV ahead of, above me, but they're broken. So they don't do anything now. And I said, oh. 
And I stared at that red button for like a minute. And I was like, it was like an imp. I yeah. couldn't control. I'm yeah, like, you just had to smack that damn button. Nothing happens. Right. And on the flip side, that's like what the electric car is. Yeah. <laughs> Some guy is like, but what happens if we sell it? <laughs> we'll never know. He's like, well, fuck that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gotta slap that button. Exactly. It is, and that's human nature. I know. And we are so flawed and but, so sad, but but we have the ability to be so great. We do. And, and that's the, the trade-off, I think. The only thing that would get me excited about a culture where everything is automated yeah. is being an artist. And still having, but you, yeah. Because how do you replace that? You can. I mean, you can do AI, but like, it's like what we're talking about at Disney World. Like, yeah. people still need human experiences. Yeah. So you can automate the shit out of everything. But at the end of the day, I think the bottom line, whether we're talking about economics or customer experience or whatever, you can't write people out of the equation. equation. Whether yeah. it's a fair income, whether it's profits, whether it's art, whether it's an experience, you can't do that. Yeah, true. Except for me. I, a monkey could do my job. Oh, come so. on. So I'm done. No. <laughs> come on. Don't my say that. My boss could bring in two orangutans tomorrow no. and be like... Look, there's Deanna there doing his job. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, Come on. And then she'd be like, oh, okay, maybe that's a bad, bad. I was going to say. Yeah, no. <laughs> Visually, maybe that's bad. But no, yeah, I'm very unimportant. So it's <laughs> it is. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? No, I just, I just, if I have to leave anybody with anything, it's just like, please spend time seeing each other, making spaces just a little bit better than you found them or oh. people a little bit better than you found them i think yeah. if we can all just do that for one person like the whole world would be a little bit better that's it you are one of the most amazing people oh. i've ever had the benefit of spending time with oh you're so nice i want to hug being you being near oh my gosh um, if anything should ever happen to me i want you to always be able to hear me say being i absolutely love you oh and i adore you i love you and, adore and you, you too. are amazing Oh, and don't ever forget that. I wish I could clone you for all my single friends, <laughs> but they have their heads too far up their ass. Then you know what? Yeah. You've set me up on two blind dates and neither one of them were fruitful. Oh, well. <laughs> no, your friends are amazing. They're too good for me. No, they're, they're not. I can't remember. I'm trying to think who exactly you set me up with. Mm, I know who. Um, you? Yeah. I don't remember. I, it's okay. Oh, no. Yeah. No, okay. but you can't. Here, write, here, write down. No, 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 no. You can't. Because I don't remember. Here's the thing: you can't take that personally because you don't know where somebody is in their life or what True. they're sorting out. No, no, I'm, I'm teasing. No, yeah. you're because um, no, I'm trying to think. Because <laughs> like I now, tried this one. now I'm drawing a blank. Oh yeah, she she wasn't having it, but I was I was head over. Yeah, okay. Yeah, now, yeah she wasn't having it. Yeah. Oh. Amazing. We can talk about that more later. Amazing. Yes, amazing. I'm, I'm a clown. She knew. She knew going in. She's like, this clown, I'm good. Love you. Who knows? Maybe you dodged a bullet. Uh, that's a possibility, too. That's a, <laughs> at least that's what, I tell, that's what I tell myself when you're gone. I'm like, man, fuck the movie. Yeah. I got Bina's gone. I just I'm the bullet. best person ever. <laughs> but <laughs> you are. Know. They don't know. I love you. I love you, too. I adore you. And thank you for being on my show. Thank you. All right. Night, night. Night, night. All right. All right. And that was episode five with Miss Bina David. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. I absolutely enjoyed the conversation. Bina is amazing. I can never say that enough. And um, yes, I look forward to the next time I get to chat with her. And um, so thank you, Bina, 
appreciate you immensely. Um, also, I want to send a special thank you and a shout out to Miss Heather Calvert. Heather um, created the lovely um, podcast art that is probably staring at you on your phone or if you happen to be on your laptop, that little icon that says off the beaten podcast that was created by Heather and she is an amazing artist. If you need some artwork done of any sort, if you're starting your own podcast or your own blog, or your own website, uh, I can get you her information. I highly recommend her. She is amazing. Thank you. She is a member of the off the beaten podcast team and um she's yeah she's just the best so appreciate you thank you heather um so you've listened to this please go whatever you're listening to apple Podcasts, stitcher if you're listening um on podbean wherever please take a moment to rate this if you loved it give it a five if you hate me you hate my guts and you hate everything you heard but you made it to the end go ahead and give me a one and please go ahead and review tell me your likes your dislikes your thoughts your hopes and your dreams and you know we, you know, it is what it is. Um, everyone has an opinion. I want to hear them all. So please rate review. If you want to hear another episode, then hit that button that says subscribe on your listener of choice. And so this will go straight to your inbox on your podcast listening app uh, automatically when it's dropped. And just when you pop up and you open it up, you're like, oh, man, another off the beaten podcast. I got to I got to check this out. And, you know, because now um I'm lining up interviews with some interesting people, people I've just met, people I don't know. I'm just so excited. Things are are kicking. And so, you know, don't miss a, a moment of it. Also, please, down in the episode notes, so if you're listening on your app of choice, just go ahead and scroll the screen up in most cases and you'll see the episode notes. So I tell, you know, a little background on the person that you just listened to, anything else. And please subscribe to the Off the Beaten Podcast mail list. So then um, every time something special happens, episode drops, um, any special going on or behind the scenes, you'll get that straight to your email inbox and you'll have something to surprise and delight you when you're sitting at work, hating yourself and wondering why you're there to begin with. So, yes, please do that for me. Um, If you have not heard the previous four episodes Go and listen to them. There's an introduction too, but you know, there's four real episodes. Go listen to those. They're interesting. They're amazing. Um, it was interesting. I had someone on an Amtrak train and she started listening to one of the episodes and she was cracking up. And I was like, oh, that's the best. It was just like the best feeling ever. I feel like John Grisham. And so <laughs> let's go back, check out those episodes, listen, laugh, love, uh, you know, criticize if that's your thing, whatever, you know, and, you know, this is an ongoing process. It's a labor of love. I'm still here at my card table in Woodlawn, Chicago, you know, doing this thing. I'm super excited. Some I've wanted to do for a long time. And, you know, I want everyone to be able to appreciate it. And then I want to make it better. So tell me, you know, what you want to hear, you know, what topics would you like discussed? Uh, if you know someone who would be an amazing guest for the Off the Beaten podcast, please. Tell them to get at me. Tell me to get at that person. You know, whatever it is, you know, I want, you know, I mean, you know, eventually I want everyone, anyone. But I want people who have stories to tell. You know, people have things to say. You know, let's get this cooking. Um, much like Bina and Lance and Sarah and uh, Jessica, they all have these and uh, Sam, you know, all have these interesting stories. And that's part of what makes Chicago amazing. You know, and part of this podcast is for people to realize that Chicago is not just like a 
place you read about in the newspaper that has this going on and that going on and all that, you know, oh my God, that's so crazy. This is a place that's made up of these amazing people and, you know, their voices, some of which you, you probably would never hear anywhere else, you know, because they like to stay low key, but you know, they have stories that should be heard and they're people who are interesting and dynamic. And those are the people, you know, not the, not all of the usual suspects, but I want those people who may not be the likely suspect to, to let their voice be heard and their story told, you know, and this is forever. That's one thing I love about the internet for better, for worse. Right. Um, also local bands, musicians, um, music. I haven't had any yet. I want some, you know, we're, we're five episodes in. So please, if you know a band, if you're a musician, singer, songwriter, and you have a, you know, you want to share some music and I can feature it here on my podcast. I want to do that too. I am a musician, uh, believe it or not, uh, contrary to popular opinion. <laughs> and I want to support local music, local musicians. And I would love to have you as a guest on the podcast too. So if you share your music with me, we can talk about scheduling and get you in for an interview as well. Finally, if you have comments, questions, concerns, anything, please feel free to email me. My email is down in the episode notes, but the email is also being silly in the city. Um, you know, all, all one word, but it's B, you know, B E I, you know, being silly in the city at gmail.com. So please feel free to reach out to me anytime. And I want to, I want to hear, I want to hear from all of you. I want to hear everything you have to say. And, you know, you know, I'm not perfect, far from perfect. And, you know, the, the perfection sometimes is the quest. Sometimes it ain't, but you know, we'll get there together. So that is all I have. Please rate, review, listen, subscribe, and share with one person. Uh, I didn't mention this earlier, but yesterday was actually International Podcast Day. And I was very sad because I actually learned this fact at like 7 o'clock at night. And there were like podcasts going on all day and events and, and people doing stuff. And so I'm like, oh, I already know that I'm going to take that day off work next year and, 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 and you know, and engage and such. But, um, you know, one of that one of the parts of the International Podcast Day is to share the joy of podcasting and of podcasts. The first podcast I ever listened to, if my memory serves me correctly, was This American Life. And I love it. I still listen to it weekly. Um, one of the most amazing podcasts produced probably ever, in my opinion. And, um, you know, share that with somebody. What is your favorite podcast? Send me an email, you know, comment, whatever. Let me know. Um, right now, I just, just a heads up, I am totally geeking out on podcast 99. Uh, I listen to it on Stitcher. Stitcher is my listener of choice. Podcast 99 is about Woodstock 99. And if you're familiar, um, you know, in the know Woodstock's 50th anniversary just passed a month or two back and Woodstock 99 was this huge debacle. And, you know, it's, it's infamous. It's a fire. It was the fire festival of its time. Worse than fire festival. And these guys, these three guys have broken it down. And I mean, we're talking like grad level research. And like I, I went through the first six episodes and they weren't even through day one of the of a, of a three day festival. But they were breaking down like, you know, they even have survivor stories, people who are actually there and they're interviewing them. They have the what they call the legends episode. So like Corn had a legendary set, legendary for being an amazing performance, but also legendary for all of the terrible things that were going on during their, their set, unfortunately at the festival. And, you know, and, and it's just, it's one of those things I'm a, I'm a geek. I like stuff like that. And so podcast 99, huge shout out to them. 
And, um, you know, I, I, I just in the last week, I've discovered um, some local Chicago podcasts I didn't know about Southside Talks and, and a couple of others. I've been networking with other podcasters. I discovered one called Tasty Talks, and it's these two women. First episode of their podcast was about Coke Dick. And I'm like, OK, we have gone into another neighborhood, but they are these beautiful women and they are just hilarious and interesting. And so I'm, I'm digging through, you know, all these new podcasts and I'm coming across just from doing this one. So, you know, share that with people and share this one with one person. Um, thank you to whoever in Canada has downloaded us and listened to us. Um, I want I want someone in Europe. I want someone over the pond. So if you have a friend that lives in the UK, in Ireland, in Germany, anywhere, Russia, I want a Russian listener. One, not once I get too many, I'll start to get worried. But I want at least one Russian listener to listen to my podcast. So help me out. Send this to somebody who lives abroad, outside of Chicago, you know, and, and let them see, get a flavor for what we have going on here, you know, and hopefully like I, I've got some entrepreneurs from the city. I'm hoping to have some elected officials, you know, over time because, you know, you got to build trust and, you know, and credibility, as they would say. So we're getting there and I'm super excited. Um, thank you all for who are on this journey with me. Thank you for everyone who's supported me. Everyone who's just said, hey, man, what you're doing is really cool. You know, and everyone who's taking time to listen. I was amazed um, just on Apple alone. Um, this podcast has been listened to for over 200 hours. And so people are listening. And that's a lot of time that my voice and the voices of these people on my podcast are going into other people's ears. And it's amazing and horrifying and <laughs> and scary and exhilarating all at the same time. And I have to thank all of you who are listening to this moment to thank for that. So thank you. So please subscribe, rate, review, share. I can't say it enough. Subscribe, rate, review, share. And I will see you, um, I guess, next week. I had no intention of this actually being a weekly podcast and you know, I'm in the flow and I'm getting guests and people are like, when's the next episode? And I'm like, well, next week, I guess. All right, let's do this. So as long as I can sustain that um, and get guests and have something interesting to say, we'll do it weekly. So I'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much. You guys are making my dreams come true. And that's amazing. Um, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Off the Beaten Podcast. I am Dion and this is a wrap.